Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Siobhan, this episode of Serious Issues is brought to you by Dollar Shave Club. Cool. What do you shave with? Um, Comic books <laughs> or yes. trades, graphic trades, trades, trades. trades. Yeah, absolutely. blunt, blunt trades. Well, that's a dumb way to shave any part of your body. Instead, why don't you use more. some cool razors that I'll tell you more about later in the episode. Do they have like a female version that's pink and called like the she, what, the, the sheezer? Uh, or it'd be like good. the dollar fifty shave club because yeah. <laughs> women have to pay more for everything. Am I right? Yeah. Nice one. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hey, what's up? And welcome to another episode of Serious Issues. My name is Andrew Levins. Her name is Siobhan Coombs. Yes, correct. She pays more for raises. I sure do. That's her entire character. (laughs) That's all I've got. (laughs) Now, every week on Serious Issues, we review all of last week's comics, let you know which were the good ones, which were the bad ones, and which were the ones in between. Um, This episode is brought to you by two things, three Mm -hmm. things. Wow, it's a triple triple threat. Holy moly. Um, First of all, we've got those dollar shave clubs. It's good. I'll tell you about that. I love being part of a club. Yeah, and this is a pretty sharp one. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Second of all, every single comic book that we talk about on the show today is... uh, lovingly given to us by mm-hmm. the good people at King's Comics in Sydney, uh, 310 Pitt Street in Sydney. If you ever are around, come and say hello. Chances are, if you come on a Thursday, you'll see one of us. Yeah. Or even a Wednesday. Yeah. Depends uh, on the day. I am usually there on Thursday. Thursday. Come on a Thursday, guys. Come on a Thursday, guys. The, the vote is in. Um, <laughs> and uh, if you can't make it to Sydney to possibly see us in the flesh, <laughs> uh, you can head to kingscomics.com. Well, you'll not see us, but you will be able to buy all the comics that we talk about on this episode, uh, including a lot of ones that you can't find in other comic book shops around the world because mm-hmm. King's Comics is very good at ordering in all of the really good stuff that a lot of other people don't. Yep. That's their motto. Correct. It's a, it's a confusing and long to read motto, but it is their motto. It's catchy. Um, and finally, Siobhan, this episode is brought to you by one of our patrons. His name is Chris Stefu. Stefu? Stefo? Stefu. Mm. That's definitely correct. There's three. We have three sponsors and three potential pronunciations <laughs> of our last sponsor's name. Uh, Chris is one of the absolute geniuses who mm. decided to support Serious Issues on Patreon, and you can do exactly the same thing by heading to patreon.com slash seriousissuespodcast. Uh, for as little as like two bucks a month, you get access to a bunch of bonus episodes that we recorded. Um, we're going to send another mailing out soon, mailing list. Well, well overdue for one of those, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's going to be baby photos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and um, the, someone listening right now is like, yes, that's yes. all I needed Excellent. to know. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm signing, signing up. 
But thank you so much, Chris, for supporting the show. Yeah, thank you. Um, we really appreciate you um, allowing us to record this episode in particular. Yes. Um, so we kick off every episode of Serious Issues by reviewing all of the new number ones that came out last week. We call this segment First Things First. And this is a segment that has been for many, many months dominated by new Marvel number ones. Mm, Marvel love a good number one. Marvel loved a good number one. Yes. Uh, we looked back. I, I used um, our, our work experience kid, um, the great Connor, <laughs> <laughs> the workers teen in, in, in a suburban, uh, oh, sorry, country Brisbane, country, oh, country really? Queensland. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God bless. Uh, I'm, I'm giving him too much information. How many? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Track Can we down track soon. him down? <laughs> I'm sure if we just ask for his address. Actually, I already have his address. <laughs> <laughs> He's a patron. Are you guys pen pals? No. Um, I, I can be. How about that? Pen pal patron level. Um, <laughs> but uh, Connor looked back and worked out that since February, middle of February, uh, Marvel have put out a new number one issue every single week until now. What are we? We are one week into November. So this is the, actually this, this, this episode is for all the comics that came out. Yeah, first week of November. Mm-hmm. So um, it took them like nine months. Mm. Don't, don't do the maths on that. Nope. Absolutely not. <laughs> Actually, it's nine months, yeah. Uh, nine months of, of just putting out a number one every single week. And we finally have one where, because of their legacy renumbering, mm. they're not doing number ones anymore. They're doing like 692s. Yeah. And 692 things, 692nd is a stupid name for a segment. It is true. So all of our Marvel new series will be reviewed in the regular Marvel thing. They've kind of it shot is... themselves in the foot in a way. But yeah. It is. <laughs> they shot themselves in the foot. In terms of this podcast specifically, it's Marvel's they superpower. They really should have thought about Captain it. Captain America's superpower. He's really, really strong and can live in ice for many, many decades. Uh, Iron Man, great with machines. Mm-hmm. Uh, Iron Fist has a big, glowing hand. Marvel, shoot themselves <laughs> in the foot and continue <laughs> to live true. and prosper. Yep. Um, so, in a week where I was like, hell yeah, there's no Marvel number ones. This is going to be the easiest first things first ever. DC nope. were like, hey, remember us, you fuckhead? <laughs> <laughs> have four mediocre number oh, ones man. that you get to talk about on your stupid podcast, you idiot. Yeah. So we're going to kick off first things first with uh, four new DC number ones. Um, and uh, the first of which is the latest in the Hanna-Barbera books that they do. Ooh. This is the Jetsons. Now, if you are a long-time listener of this podcast, you'll know that we were massive fans of the Flintstones run mm-hmm. that was written by Mark... Ma- no. no, what was his name again? Oh God! Steve Pugh did the art. Steve Pugh did the art. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look this it's... up. It's so, he, he hasn't he hasn't done much. That's the thing. Like, yeah. He, uh, and we, we, I knew we were meant to get a Snagglepuss book. Um, yes. From him, and he did that Prez book. That's right. I'm sure his name was Mark, but we're gonna find out as your internet Mark Russell. Mark Russell. I was you right. Were I was right. Mark. That oh, was great. good. Well done. Good on you, Mark Russell. Good Do job. some more books. So I remember your name easier. Um, <laughs> and that was this incredible book that took the core element of what the Flintstones was like mm-hmm. a, a, just your average family growing up in prehistoric times um, a kept... satire of modern living told exactly. through stone age people and uh, basically modernized the the core like modernized the, the satire part mm. of it basically so it became quite biting political religion mm-hmm. just you know day-to-day living satire commercialism mm-hmm. capitalism satire um, it was an incredibly uh Biting and, and deep book that yep. uh, emotionally affected us week, uh, every single Absolutely. month that came out uh, with brilliant art by Steve Pugh. Um, and uh, it was the, the kind of jewel in the crown of the mostly shitty crown of, uh, <laughs> of the, the Hanna-Barbera comics. The one jewel on the poop yeah. crown of the Hanna-Barbera <laughs> DC reboot. 
Um, and I know where yeah, Mark Russell's next thing is going to be a, um, a Snagglepuss book, apparently. Now we got a, we got a preview of that with art by like Howard Porter or something like that. It was yeah, yeah, yeah. phenomenal. It was I so good. Where is that? I don't know. Hurry up. Uh, instead, we've got like a Garth Ennis, Dick Dastardly and Muttley book, which we'll review the third issue of later in the episode. Uh, and this week, we got the first issue of The Jetsons, which is written by uh, Jimmy Palmiotti um, and uh, art by uh, Pia Brito with colors by Alex Sinclair. Um, I kind of, for me, I was like, I actually, I, I really miss the Flintstones book. It ended yeah. beautifully on, the, on its 12th issue. And I, I feel like it didn't. It wasn't ended like you know early or anything like that. It, it played out. It had as, exactly as many mm-hmm. issues as it should have had. I guess mm-hmm. I could have read many more because it was such a well done book that I love so much. And I saw this and I was like, even though I didn't like the preview of it that we got in one of those back matters uh, that uh, that DC did earlier in the year, I was like, oh maybe this will be more like the Flintstones. Like even if it was like a carbon copy of the Flintstones, of the Flintstones, which. The Jetsons absolutely was. Yeah, it was yeah, like, yeah. what if a, 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 your average family from today grew up in the in the future? Yeah. Um, and uh, instead, this is like, I feel, I feel like Palmiotti got mixed up between the Jetsons and Lost in Space. This feels way oh, more yeah? like a like a like a edgy, not even like the the classic Lost in Space TV show. This feels like a continuation of the shitty like late 90s Lost in Space movie with Matt LeBlanc and Lacey Chabert. Okay, I haven't seen that, but that sounds incredible. Actually, yeah, as someone who, yeah, you would actually probably really like that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel weirdly insulted. Um, <laughs> you should be. <laughs> I couldn't get through this. I found this like so boring and it deals with things that like I am fundamentally interested in. Like, like the, the stupid robot lady is George... Is his name George? George Whatever. Jetson. George Jetson's mum has downloaded her consciousness into a robot robo made because she was in a, in a nursing home and dying and so yeah she be- and decides like... to live through ever, forever as a maid for her son and his family and they have like this you really know what long... all parents want to do <laughs> <laughs> they have this really long boring conversation about it where she's like mm, yes i understand the concept of sensation but i no longer feel it's just like it was just so so dull i i genuinely couldn't get through it and i'm not a huge fan of um peer Brito's art, art. Um, and just sort of the ideas that they were dealing with in this, I thought, like, they're Super trying heavy-handed to, yeah, environmental messages. And... Yep, absolutely. And not fun at any point, well, like the, not fun yeah. or funny at all. Not dark enough to be interesting and also too dark to be fun. Enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think, like, a lot of the, because he had uh, Jane Jetson, George's wife, mm-hmm. um, who I don't think even had a job in the original show because it was made in the Women 50s. Don't have Women jobs. don't have jobs. You idiots. They become um, robo-maids. That's right. <laughs> Rosie was not the... the, the yeah. Rosie was just like this uh-huh. wise-cracking robot who probably, who, like, you know, she probably caused more trouble than, than than she actually solved. Yeah, she was like Alice in the Brady Bunch. Oh, no. Alice was a saint. Oh, yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> Wait for the DC gritty reboot <laughs> of Brady Bunch next. But, yeah, I just like this They're was all just... all rapists. Baff- oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> you have been reading too many rape comics. Really? <laughs> It's really on the brain. Um, but uh, yeah, this was... Um, I mean, look, the, the best thing about this is that it's one of six. <laughs> um, and you could say that about a lot of the books we're about to review. Because um, this is like the weird off week uh, for DC where they just put yeah. out a bunch of miniseries. Um, but nothing no, nothing that I... Because I, I grew up loving Hanna-Barbera cartoons, spe- mm. especially the Flintstones and the Jetsons. Mm-hmm. And oh my goodness, was I excited when, when I um, found out that... In, that the Flintstones meets the Jetsons uh, telemovie existed. Oh, cool. Um, I even saw at the movies the Jetsons movie, which they made in like the early 90s. I could even like sing you the song that is used in the trailer. Nice. Um, 
Do it. Ooh, (laughs) you make me feel in love. Don't know who it is, but I only know like this one five-second clip from the Jetsons movie trailer. That was before like Home Alone or something like that on the VHS I had. Um, But like no, nothing about the core what made the Jetsons a fun cartoon is in this at all. Just they just they share names. Um, his his son Elroy, which was my favorite character, because he was like this little boy who had like all these cool gadgets mm-hmm. and had a best friend who was with the, with the talk. It was best friends with the talking dog. Also, I don't think the dog even fucking talks in this. Bullshit. That's stupid. Is Does dog he have emojis this? coming out of his head like Scooby <laughs> Apocalypse? No, but like, uh, 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 what's his name? Elroy is like this twi- like teen, young teen who like has a crush on a girl, and they go to like the old Earth, which they've left. Everyone had to go into space because Earth de- like was destroyed. Because of the environment, I don't. Know, if, if you want that element of this book explored better, read Rick Remender's Low series. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but also, just don't read the Jetsons. Yeah, I just don't. I wouldn't bother. I wouldn't bother, guys. Honestly, I, I, they should like I know, if they want to continue these Hanna Barbera books, they should just put Mark Russell On as all like of the, them. no, well, as a, like overlooking and ah. going like you know, okay, here's the, here's the twist. Mm. It's still like because that the Flintstones comic still felt like the Flintstones. Yeah, but it was interesting. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Thank you. Yeah, that was. I mean, that that's the kind of book that absolutely that makes no surprise that it's a rarity. Yeah, totally. One of those bizarre old properties brought back into modernization in a good way. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, give this one a miss. I won't be reading another issue of it. Agreed. Uh, although I I saw I can't remember if I saw it in here or in the solicitations for next week. In fact, there's an amazing cover for it by Doc Shaner. But I think. Scooby Apocalypse is up to like issue 29 or something fucking ridiculous. I mean, 19, 19. I don't know. It's baffling. I like that. We're always like, someone tell me why this is good. But if someone tried to tell me, I really wouldn't listen because it's bad. (laughs) (laughs) There are some things that just are fundamentally bad. (laughs) Um, So we move on to another mini series that started um, written and drawn by comic legendary figure, Neil Adams, best known for drawing a hairy chested Batman. Hell yeah. At some point in the seventies. Hawkman. Hawkman as well. Yeah, he, I think is he is he who created John Stewart? Oh, I actually Green Lantern. I think he may have been. Okay. Um, but yeah, Neil Adams. Sorry if I took that credit away from someone who deserves it. Whatever. <laughs> um, Neil Adams has done lots of amazing things, yeah. particularly at, at, at DC. He's, he's a classic ne- old guy. He's now a billion years old, and yeah. um, every every <laughs> second year DC allow him to do whatever the fuck he wants <laughs> with with a, with the property. Um, Did you read um, Batman Odyssey? That was insane. It was, but that was the good kind of insane. I don't even know if it was. It was like borderline unreadable. Well, so was this. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Dead Man is uh, the new miniseries written and drawn by Neil Adams. And I don't know what the fuck's going on. I have no idea what's going on. So Batman, dressed as Commissioner Gordon, is going as an ambassador to Japan to talk about how to correctly store <laughs> nuclear weapons or nuclear waste. It's not 100% clear. And then Dead Man's there and is like, I need to kill this guy with a hook for a hand because he killed me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on in this? And like page to page, I was like, I have no idea what's going and on. And there's like this flashbacks, jumping forward and, and back through time. Yeah, with like- no indication that that's happening from panel to panel. Yeah, this was absolutely bizarre. Yeah. I liked it more than the Jetsons. <laughs> totally. I read the whole thing. <laughs> Neil Adams is still a really like hilarious, great cartoonist, even if occasionally the panel layout was a little confusing. Well, that but was a problem. Like, the story makes no design. sense, and some of the panel layouts are a bit confusing to follow. Yeah. But there's, some, there's some brilliant imaging in images within, within this book. Great faces. Great missing teeth from after being punched. Mm-hmm. Great Gordon. 
Yep, a really good um, <laughs> like his Alfred too. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I I love Dead Man as a character. You know, we got that great miniseries last year. That, that yeah, cute romantic one. Yep. Um, I can't remember the name of it right now, but that was really yeah. great. This is uh, this is not the kind of comic that uh, like I just you know I I I uh, I, I appreciate. The, the who Neil Adams is and all the great he's brought to comics, but mm. uh, I don't have that that love for. And also, this isn't his best work. No, that's true. <laughs> like, go back yeah, and yeah. read some of his classic stuff. Um, glow in the dark cover, though. That's glow in cool. the dark cover. Cool. In fact, one of the only other glow in the dark covers I have is a Batman and Dead Man. Oh yeah, um, like a mini series. Well, yeah. it was it maybe a couple a couple issues of regular Batman that were maybe they were drawn by Neil Adams too. I don't know. Glow in the dark covers are awesome though. I, I, I much prefer Glow in the Dark than a um, hologram. Oh really? Yeah. Mm. But I read comics in the dark not very often, so I feel like I'm not oh. making the most of a. Yeah, but just like a man, like we used to put like glow magic stickers. What were they called? Oh like, yeah, yeah. You got like like stars and planets and mm-hmm. stuff. You shove them in your roof, and then like after a few years, like you're a teenager, it looks like you've just got a moldy roof. It's <laughs> good. Um, but scratch and sniff covers are still. Oh ones. wow, that's yeah. that, that's the number one novelty cover. Yeah, they did this one a couple of years ago. I'm sure people will remember it, where it was a Harley no Quinn one issue. What you're talking about. <laughs> it was a Harley Quinn issue, and DC were being really like controversial, and it smelled like weed if you scratched it. But Hell um, yeah. and it were, you couldn't actually. Kings was the only store in outside of America to get it because it was like illegal. Kings is dank as fuck. Kings is dank <laughs> as fuck, guys. But then we scratched it, and it just smelled like pine trees didn't really smell i don't think they really got it I mean, how do you like i mean i've never call up the scratch and sniff drugs but <laughs> how do you call it the scratch and sniff company and be like yo i want this is not accurate yeah yeah i want that purple kush <laughs> <laughs> well, what part of harley quinn did you scratch to smell like weed like her boobs i can't remember <laughs> i probably probably it was the lamest thing of all time cool i mean <laughs> like up there with the lamest things that dc have ever done anyway more of that please um, more of the lamest things DC's ever done. Yes, well, please. how about Black Lightning number one of six? <laughs> oh, I, I know think this, this was is the a, this worst. is the best of the three so far. Absolutely. I should have saved that joke for before I talked about the Jetsons. Yeah. Um, but uh, Black Lightning is a character that I that I like, even though I've not read much of. Yeah. Um, same. I, I've, this, most of the stuff I've read have been credited to like Dwayne McDuffie, mm-hmm. um, who uh, is is dearly missed. Um, Absolutely. Great, a great, great writer. And I think create did he create the character? Let's he go on, definitely let's go on, 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 on a limb and say, oh no, see, I was getting confused with that. Yeah. Fuck. But Shit. he he Uh-oh. definitely has been involved in writing Black Lightning, who's one of those terrible DC characters that you're like, no, I wish his name wasn't Black Lightning. Unfortunately, there was, a, there was an era where every black character <laughs> had to have the word black in their name. Um, it was by law. Black Manta. Is he, he's, he's he black, is black. Yeah, yeah. Black yeah. Panther. Black Panther. Black Adam. Not black. Anyway. I, got, I, got, I, got, I, got, I read a really good Black Adam comic this week, actually. Oh, cool. More on that later. Black, um, but black Lightning um, has a new miniseries called Cold Dead Hands. Um, which is a new mini, um, six issues. Uh, this one is written by Tony Isabella, art uh, by Clayton Henry, and uh, colors by Pete Pante- Pantazis. <laughs> I would have said pan- Pantazis. Pantazis, of course. Yeah, it's a, it's a Greekish name. Um, I really enjoyed this. Like, I mean, maybe really is overstating it, but solid cartooning, a pretty fun concept, a good, like, um, I feel like they have a good voice for the character. Yes, when then, when he is narrating, when he is ha- when there is dialogue between 
bite lightning and other characters, it's really lame. Mm, like true. at one point he says, right on, brother from another mother. Oh, and, yeah. Oh, sorry, sister, sister from another from mister. Another and then yeah. they, he says, you got it, brother from another mother. It's just like, Ugh. Yeah, that was lame. But he's like best friends with um, this like female police officer. That's a good relationship that they managed to set up really efficiently, really mm. easily in this. this. I think they set up the world for him really I would rather this read like it was a um, a script for an animated um, episode of a series, mm. um, and I couldn't get that. Couldn't shake that, even though I thought the art was really competent and really good. Yeah, there are some amazing like faces. Yes, um, I, I couldn't good expressive faces. The, the there were a few weird things. Actually, there were a lot of weird things in this book. Like mm. it was like it was quite a straight. Um, like superhero story mm-hmm. with a few bizarre touches, like the fact that yeah. he um, he narrates this entire issue to a picture of his dead father. Yes, um, I mean, don't we all? And I th- and I thought like Lightning as as a whole was like quite a boring character. Yeah, he's a bit sort of like <laughs> I am a generic male superhero. Yeah, I believe in justice. Um, and, but uh, now he's on the wrong side of the law. And then, like, this villain is, like, this crime lord, I guess, mm. who kills his wife. No, his no, sister, he, after being like, yeah, I killed your son. He was an arsehole. He kills her by throwing a model boat at her head. That's good. That was and a she good goes, death. ugh, and dies. <laughs> and so get was, me a new boat for my desk. So, yeah, there was, like, I don't know, yeah, it was, it was a quite a straight book with a bunch of bizarre moments like that. I can't tell if they, they added or subtracted away from the experience I got from reading this. Mm. But I can't say I'm compelled to continue reading. I'm going to keep reading. It was, like, super paint-by-numbers superhero stuff with death by model with death by model boat so i'm gonna keep reading this in case of more death by model boats maybe he'll kill somebody with the picture of his dead father on his mantle oh cool it is only a six issue miniseries so i'm willing to i'm willing to stick with it for a minute siobhan the last issue number one issue from uh dc that we got this week uh is uh another of the dark knight's metal tie-ins some would say there have been way too fucking many of these um dark very easily argue that dark knight's batman the devastator and um, this is uh, written, the plot is written by Frank Thierry. Words are by James Tinian. Pencils are by Tony S. Daniel. Inks are by Danny Mickey. Um, and colors are by Tomu Mori. Um, so a massive creative team on mm-hmm. a book about um, what if Batman infected himself with the <laughs> Doomsday virus so he could take down Superman. Um, this is like, you know, a, a Batman from a dark universe. Before we hear our thoughts on this. Oh, yeah. We actually have uh, a, a Patreon review. Uh, cool. Because it comes in. This is the first Patreon review by a longtime patron, Matthew Burner. Thanks, Matthew. Thank you so much, Matthew, for sending this in. Um, he says that he has, he has so many issues with these one-shots, and the Devastator perfectly personifies my frustrations. You know you're in, a, in for a rough time when the creative team includes a plot credit and a words credit, and this story is so paint-by-numbers, I've confused which character this is while writing my review. <laughs> the, plot is so, the story is so obvious and unenthused that I wonder why they then chose to even put these out. Instead of filling out these insane and crazy, this insane and crazy universe with content to match, they just they put just enough to get get you to understand that yes, this Batman who call, who people call the murder machine is evil and move on. My biggest disappointment comes in the lack of foresight. These characters have have such cool designs that I immediately wanted series based on their worlds. DC could have had had seven new injustice runs if they had just put a little more effort in. Instead, we got seven, well, six at the moment, one shots that did nothing but convince me that that these are cool looking characters and nothing else. Mm. 
Thank you, Matthew. For hopefully, uh, your future uh, reviews that you send us will be of books you actually liked. But yeah. I, 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 you know, I, I see, I see alongside your your anger towards these one shots. Yeah. Um, although that said, I did not, I didn't, I, I enjoyed this one a little bit more than the last few of I've, um, that have come out. Agreed. I thought this was like as a pretty funny concept. So on this evil Batman's world, Superman turns evil and so Batman infects himself with a doomsday virus which turns off his heart and makes him a stone cold killer and so when he comes to our Earth or is it Earth Zero? Yep. Yeah. Earth Zero he wants to infect everyone with the doomsday virus to save them also from Superman. It's like it's fine. Yeah it just suffers from the other thing of having way too much time on Earth Zero instead of like I, I would have actually liked to have seen a full issue in this Batman's world, yeah, you know the, the the final days, him him test him 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 kind of doing tests with the Doomsday virus, seeing mm-hmm. if there's a way that he can use it without ruining his life, and then like you know making that final decision to do it, and then you know he takes down Superman. And that's the end of the issue. But also now Lois Lane is a Doomsday, which is pretty funny. Is it? <laughs> Are we going to see <laughs> this revisited again in in the? Probably like, not. I like the, the. I feel like they're setting up stuff in each of these little one shots that cannot possibly be followed up on in the main series like it just seems like a bunch of hilarious stuff that's gonna go nowhere because like i mean from your experience of people who buy into events mm-hmm. um working at a comic book store like this is a tie-in less than a third of the people that buy the event buy the tie-ins right yes so if, if suddenly lois is a doomsday and <laughs> when when the uh when the main uh event returns after all these one shots yeah people will be pretty confused yes they will yeah. So I imagine so, they won't do that. I don't know. It's bizarre. It Very is weird. weird, isn't it? Weird one shots. Anyway. We've got one more left. Phew. And I can't remember who it's about. It's the oh, main one. It's the Joker one. The, ba- the Joker Batman. The, the Batman who laughs. Mm. Cool. Cool. I want to. The only thing I want to know about that character is how he sees when he's got that spiky bondage mask thing on over his eyes. I want to know what black speech bubble. Mm-hmm. Or word balloon with red text sounds like because mm. that's how he, he communicates. Mm. And it's it's uncomfortable to read. It sure is. I wonder how it is to sound. Sounds awful. So we move over to Image now for uh, two number ones that they released last week. Um, let's kick off with number one with a bullet, which is written by a, uh, a creative team that I'm not familiar with at all. Jacob Seaman. Um, that sounds correct. Seaman, um, uh, Jorge Corona, Jen Hickman on colors, and uh, Steve Wands on lettering and design. Edited by Aaron Levy, and this is about a um, a woman who works for the host of like a, a, a late show, mm-hmm. like a talk show. Um, and She's kind of his like little runner, so she both is on the show and helps behind the scenes. And um, she, like in her latest appearance in the show, she falls over, mm-hmm. and then like the footage of her falling over is shared. Um, it's like a weird relationship between her and this and this late night host. His name is Jad, mm-hmm. Jad Davies, and she keeps having bizarre visions of him, of his death at potentially at her hands, and all these sinister things happening on but that's on the show. Because this is like in a slightly near future world, and so she's using contact lenses that are like virtual reality. Oh, I didn't get that at all. Yeah, that's when she like so she's on set and she's seeing all these horrible murders and everyone's like ha 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 that's so funny and then she falls over and that's what goes viral but it's because she's seeing oh, these scary fuck. murder visions i was like what, like what the hell is going future. on yeah, yeah right okay sure 
So this is kind of, um, I mean, in the back matter, it becomes much clearer, but this is something, this is a series that's going to be particularly dealing with issues related to, like, online harassment. And apparently the writer was um, inspired when he heard about um, contact lenses being developed that could record video. He was like, why would anyone want that except for, like, terrible shit? Um, And so that kind of inspired this. I quite enjoyed this. Yeah, I, I certainly enjoyed it as it, a lot more as it continued. Those weird um, flashes of the, the, the grim yeah. stuff happening. Um, it was confusing. It was confusing, very confusing. But then, yeah, when it basically this sets up, um, you know, this this woman who works for, for Jad Davies going home with her, you know, girlfriend who's frustrated because she works too much mm-hmm. and, um, you know, her relationship with all the other people on staff. And then eventually we find out that, yeah, someone's betrayed her and put up uploaded leaked footage leaked, leaked well, a sex video yeah um but there's something a christmas more, themed sex video there's something more se- uh, sinister going on even more so behind that like a bit more kind of like like with dark voices and mm-hmm. someone like kills themselves after after revealing themselves to her mm-hmm. not in that way he, no. sa- he <laughs> says like a weird where repeats himself a bunch of weird times so there's a lot going on in this issue um i uh, i really enjoyed the art yeah the um, colors are beautiful it's really like fun cartooning um but yeah, I'm enjoying this. I enjoyed this issue. Yeah, and yeah, the, it's a little bit like going hard for some like issues a little bit. It's a bit Black Mirror. Yeah, but I I really like Black Mirror. So it's my, he's my least favorite Black superhero. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's also a, a, speaking of Black Matter. There's actually um, a uh, a little story um, written about. Uh, bad experiences with cosplay and creeps uh, mm. by uh, comic book writer Teeny Howard, mm. who we've uh, reviewed a few of her recent uh, books on the on the podcast recently. Yeah. Um. So yeah, a, a, a good amount of back matter. It's you know, it's an interesting and concerning, uh, you know, online privacy and leaks of no- nudes. Yeah. I'm surprised it didn't come sooner to that horrible, like enormous leak of all the celebrity nudes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like a couple of years ago, that mm. was fucking terrifying. That was really horrible. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to be sticking with this one. Number one with a bullet. Yeah. Number one, a really good image uh, first issue. Absolutely. Um, so we also got another one from um, someone who we're not much more familiar with as a uh, as a artist than we are a writer. His name is Wes Craig, and if you read the Rick Remender series, Deadly um, Class, Deadly Class, you will know that he does the incredible, phenomenal even art on mm-hmm. that book, um, which has often been the reason I've stuck through that book through some of the grimy, the grimmer moments of it. Yep. Um, but uh, he has written an, uh, he, um, a, a few of his own comics, actually. In fact, I own one of them, but I've never read it. It's called Black Hand okay. that he wrote, wrote and drew. And uh, he has written, spun out of the Black Hand book, um, is a, like a concept that he introduced in there called the Grave Diggers Union. And that is the name of this new series that he's written with. Um, he does the first five pages of, uh, of, of the art in this comic. And then mm-hmm. the rest of it is done by Toby Cypress. With colours um, by Nico Guardia and letters by Jared K. Fletcher. Um, and uh, this book is like this crazy kind of like monster book mm. um, featuring like kind of like a like a uh, an underworld kind of crime fighting group called the Grave Diggers Union, who are it's their responsibility to kind of get rid of the monsters before the public find out about them. And they're just kind of a bunch of old dudes, yeah, in a great way. And, yeah, mismatch kind of like they're all from different backgrounds and mm-hmm. all of different kind of ideologies but they're, t- they're together like a real mm-hmm. chummy kind of old school kind of union mm-hmm. um and uh yeah I, I i thought this is a really cool kind of uh yeah insight to a bizarre crazy world that i can't wait to learn more from absolutely this was really good fun this is a kind of like horror f- i guess kind of almost fantasy stuff that's um really enjoyable 
Well, because you've got that backbone of these kind of hardworking, working class, yeah. you know, like working class, like guys who do the, the, these shitty jobs mm. for the government that no one else can do and no one else even knows about. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, th- th- I found they're more really likable characters, the, th- the three grave diggers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it kind of like deals with uh, sort of genre things that you're kind of used to, like the sort of old detectives going to the guy who just works behind the desk and being like you don't know what it's like they're on the front lines man and all that kind of stuff and i think it uses all those kind of touch points really effectively it's really good fun yeah and i, I loved the art the artist by toby cypress mm. who i'm most familiar with he did the art on um, tom king's omega man yes. series it's nothing like that no it's actually like he's taking a lot of uh inspiration from wes craig's kind of uh character designs but it's absolutely his own spin on it and it's kind of almost kyle bakery yeah and, and then there's like flashes i guess from the color of like golden age mm-hmm. bende dot kind of coloring and yeah uh, a lot to love in this book absolutely agreed and i think this is the kind of thing that the storytelling isn't as strong as i wanted it to be in this issue but you can tell it will grow into that as yeah. uh, he continues you know this is his first ongoing comic mm-hmm. and uh yeah this is uh, definitely something that you should support the grave diggers union issue number one Trying to say the names of the comics after we talk about them. <laughs> nice, good. It's really difficult to do. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I I read something, or I read, I tended to read a small amount of another number one called Agent 47, Birth of the Hitman. Oh, good lord. Which is the opposite of the comics that Siobhan likes because it's about a video game. Sure is. Um, and uh, I didn't get very far into it. Nice. So, swing and a miss, Dynamite. Because um, the Hitman games are quite beloved. And so I was like, oh, I'm sure I'll find something to enjoy in this issue. And it was just a very heavy-handed, weird origin story about someone who joins a shadowy assassination school or something. I love assassination schools. Why is this one not very fun? Mm. Because it's based on a video game. Video games are great, Siobhan. I I have no slight against them. I agree, but comic books based on video games. If anyone has a good one, let Um, me know. Yeah, we we talk about it every time it comes out, that weird Atari one that we love so much. Oh, yeah. What's it called? Mm. Fuck something. Sword Quest. Sword there Quest. You, go. you got it. <laughs> Not that either of us have ever played Sword Quest before. No, exactly. And I think it's like you know a very basic yeah. video. It's more about the lore of that video game than anything. There are some good ones, I'm sure. Injustice. Oh yeah. I'll talk about that one later. Um, you would have loved this issue. We'll talk yeah. about it later. But in order to find out which comics we're going to talk about first, we have to roll a dice. Before we do that, Sean, I need to tell you about a good way to shave. Oh yeah. Um, it's the answer to finally making your life yours, Siobhan. Mine specifically. So much Thank easier. Um, if you join dollarshaveclub.com, who are our sponsors today, mm-hmm. um, you don't need to choose between price and quality to get an amazing shave anymore. Those were your only two options in the past. These guys have combined them, finally. Uh, dollarshaveclub.com is a no-brainer for an incredible shave delivered right to your door. Uh, they deliver high-quality razors right to your home for less than you would pay in a supermarket or whatever weird other way you get razors <laughs> delivered to your house. Some guy who you pay an, an insane amount of money to bring you razors. Or to come and shave you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's no reason to deal with the hassle of going to the store to buy expensive razors when you join Duck Club. Um, that nice. is a little known fact, 50 Cent's classic single, In the Club, oh, is yeah? about his... his Great times. Love of um, Dollar Shave Club. Yeah, and they send you a gift on your birthday. Vicardis. <laughs> um, you get a first-class shave with the executive razor. And, I love uh, feeling like an executive. I know. you can use, yeah, we, we, as, as freelancers, it's something we'll never, ever know. Never. Uh, but I can, I can sure as hell feel like one when I shave with uh, the executive razor and their Dr. Carver's shave butter. Ooh, is he a real doctor? 
Do we know? Uh, he's a he's a like an evil evil super genius <laughs> who's like who makes all his money off his beautiful shave butter, but is actually a crook mm. and a villain. You got to assume, but want, right? But with a heart of gold. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your chance to see why over three million members, just like me and Siobhan, love Dollar Shave Club. Right now, you can get your first month of the club for as little as five bucks. After that, it's just a few bucks a month. Dollar Shave Club is so confident in the quality and value of all of their products. There's no long-term commitment or any hidden fees. There's no reason not to join. Get yours at dollarshaveclub.com slash seriousissues. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash seriousissues. And thank you so much to everyone at Dollar Shave Club for throwing a few of those dollars from the club to us um, <laughs> and, and, and allowing this episode to come to fruition. Absolutely. Now onto the greatest game of all after the hunting of man. <laughs> the second greatest game of all. <laughs> Um, we're going to roll this dice. Uh, if it rolls a one to two, we're going to talk about image first. If it rolls a three to four, we'll talk about Marvel first. Five to six is DC. Great. Four, Marvel. Marvel. Two, image. So we're going to do Marvel, image, and then DC. Cool. Um, which is a bummer because all I want to do is talk about Batman, but whatever. I can wait. Sucked in. <laughs> uh, so we're going to talk about Marvel. And Marvel, uh, we said at the start of the episode, have gone back to their legacy numbering, which means no more number ones. Uh, rather, they're returning to the original numbering and jamming a bunch of their series together so it seems enormous. Mm-hmm. And that is why we have issue number 695 of Captain America, which is a brand new run uh, by the fantastic creative team of uh, Mark Wade, Chris Samney, and Matthew Wilson from celebrated runs on Daredevil and Black Widow. Mm-hmm. They are now turning their attention to Captain America and uh, making Captain America great again. Nice. A shitty journalist might say. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is the start of a new art called Home of the Brave, and uh, it is a fantastic-looking book. Yes. But we knew that going in. Absolutely. The real question was, what is Mark Wade going to do with the character from a writing point of view? Although uh, both Wade and Samney are credited as, as the storytellers mm-hmm. on this book. Um, so maybe Samney had somewhat of a say in terms of uh, plot and dialogue. I'm, mm-hmm. sure, I'm sure he did. Uh, but this is like... You know, when you think about Captain America's recent history in comics versus his portrayal in the movies, mm-hmm. he's like in the movies he's he's easily the most popular and easiest mm. to kind of like like no one was Team Tony while no. watching the Civil War movie. I mean, he had some good points. I don't even remember that movie. Did, I don't think you even saw it. No, I did. Okay, I've definitely seen that one. <laughs> um, but I think it's like you know they absolutely it was one of the it was the. the 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 most surprising thing that they absolutely got right was um, Chris Evans's portrayal of, of yeah. Captain America. He's just such a great moral high ground without being too preachy. You just want to do whatever Cap does. I'll say. <laughs> um, and uh, um, in the comics, you know, if you think about the last ten years, like a lot of these runs, I've really enjoyed. But you know, a lot a lot has been made about the Secret Empire run, and mm-hmm. you know how Spencer made him a Nazi. But like, mm. you know, I I thought that was. A lot less evil than a lot of other uh, yeah, readers agreed. thought. Um, you know, I just thought it was like a fun, fun, silly thing to do with a a, a, a beloved really classic. character. But you know, aside from that, you know, Captain America's been stuck in Dimension Z. He's mm-hmm. been dead twice. He's been really old for a while. He was <laughs> Sam Wilson for a yeah. while. Um, we, he he was Bucky for a while. Like mm. the mantle's been passed more than most char- um, comic book characters over the last decade and a half. Um, so Captain America, this new run by Mark Wade and Samney is, uh, kind of bringing it back to the, the roots of the character and just kind of letting him be this extremely simplified version of what it means to be heroic. Yeah. I look, this looks incredible. Yep. That's the key point. 
Chris Samney is the best. Everything he does is amazing. I found this not fun to read. Really? I mean, I just... Like, Mark Wade is... Mark Wade is confusing me at the moment. I feel like a lot... Like, it's hard to write Captain America and write a positive story without it coming off as incredibly, like, schmaltzy and patriotic in a way that makes me feel uncomfortable and weird. Sure. Because he is Captain America. That's right. Um, And I just think, like, this is... It says part one, but it really feels like a standalone issue. It reminds me a lot of that weird Superman arc by J. Michael Straczynski, where it was Superman like walking across America. Like it kind of fly. Why was he doing that? It was the silliest thing of all time. He could have run and been done real quick. Um, So this kind of has that like cap sort of getting back to like middle America and kind of driving around on his motorcycle and going to the Captain America party and bringing down Nazis. But it just, it was almost a little bit too kind of simplistic in its morality or something. It just made me a little bit like, uh, I didn't get much out of this. Yeah. Well, so I thought it was simple to the point of almost being boring, but I also think that like, given how ridiculous Captain America's comic book history has been, you know, over the last through few of his runs, even though I enjoyed all of them pretty much, mm. um, with few exceptions, um, I was good to see him just like kind of reduced to the very simple idea of why he does what he does. If I'm hoping that it's only going to be for this issue, if the entire run is like this, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, too schmaltzy, too on the nose. Yeah, but like at a time where like you know Trump is president. And, yeah. and like, you know, the the world seems like the worst it's ever been. I think of all heroes that need to be reduced to the absolute idea of what they are, yeah. it should be Captain America. Just like, you know, I felt that way reading those first issues of um, Superman Rebirth last mm-hmm. year. It was like, you know, seeing super, Superman as a literal father figure instead mm-hmm. of the, the, just the father figure to all the characters in the DC universe. I think those two superheroes, it's always Cap, it's always Supes. Mm. Um, they need to be like, you know, the, the, the better, the, the moral high ground, you, you need yeah. that, you know, like the, 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 the hero that everyone compares themselves to and tries to do it better because of. Yeah, I agree with that. I just think it could have been, there's a sort of eye rolling simplicity to this. It just lacks subtlety, I think, in some of the dialogue, like the bit at the end after he's like fought all these Nazis and everyone around him literally goes, you're a hero. You're an inspiration. <laughs> and he says, why? Because I'm tall and have a shield. Have you met Americans? Americans talk like that. <laughs> <laughs> They're all just idiots spouting out whatever the first thing that comes into their mind is. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's name our baby Shatterstar. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great name. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I just sort of found this a little bit like, blah. A little bit too hallmark. I think it, it reminded me like the, the 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 of that first Daredevil issue they wrote, which was yeah. like this very swashbuckling classic yeah. hero story. But I'm I'm with you that that Daredevil didn't have that that kind of dialogue, yeah. and I, I think that this is just what this issue called for. Yeah. Um. It is it is like a mission statement of sorts, I guess. Yeah. But I I, I I agree with you. I think that that. I'm, I'm hoping to see a lot more nuance in, in, in especially the dialogue, but also like I'm sure a better story will build than him just road tripping to various parts yeah. of America and being America. Mm, yeah, America totally. I just think that Mark, <laughs> I think that Mark Wade is no longer the kind of guy who can write those stories very well. I think that he misses the mark 
fairly dramatically when he tries to do things that are socially conscious in his work now. I would rather he just focused on like a great plot. Yeah, I I, I thought this was a lot better than what he does in Champion. Yeah, agree. Kind of thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, but who else who who else can write a classic superhero like Kurt Busiek? I think that Grant Morrison sometimes. Grant Morrison sometimes, but he he does things on such a like huge scale and a different yeah sort of take on things. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. I'd like to just see someone a bit cleverer. I'd like to see what Mark Russell would do if, with a socially conscious take on Captain America, grounding it now. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think there is something to be said about how fun it is to read a really simple superhero comic book. Mm. But I mean, if you're not in the mood for that, it's boring. Yeah, totally. But uh, yeah, I, I, I am curious. I mean, if you, who's your dream Captain America creative team? Like not you, just you. I was talking to the greater you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah let it, let us know. Absolutely. Like, yeah, especially because I'm, I'm, I, I was thinking about this. Like you know, like Wade is an older writer, as mm. is Kurt Busiek, who does Astro City, and like mm-hmm. you know, pretty much writes the perfect Captain America story every every time a Astro City book comes out. Mm. Um, but uh, that 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 kind of classic, you know, they grew up reading Golden and Silver Age yeah. comics, and they have like an encyclopedic knowledge of what it is to be a superhero mm. for DC or for Marvel. But that that generation is getting old. Yeah, totally. Who who's who's carrying that torch? I mean, I think that like both Morrison and Hickman do a really good job of like taking those central kind of concepts and ideas and doing something really far out and interesting with them. Like yeah. Hickman did on his Fantastic Four run, and Morrison does with Multiversity or whatever it is that he's working on at the time. Yeah, um, I will say after after Secret Empire ended with like n- no one trusting Cap, I'm so mm. glad that this isn't like him having to get gain america's trust back yeah, yeah, yeah if this is the issue just to prove oh people love captain america still don't worry then i think that's good because I, I did not want that series totally I, and i hate i just want hydra cat back <laughs> really steve <laughs> no. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah look, I, 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 obviously we're both going to continue reading this yeah. series, but hopefully we get more from it than we got out of this issue agreed um but chris sumney you're doing great stuff looks beautiful <laughs> Um, so another Marvel Legacy book that came out this week was uh, the, the first of these um, weird little one shots that we're mm. going to get from a bunch of characters that uh, you know Marvel haven't Marvel don't do that much with um, in their regular books. Um, so we're getting like a Shang Chi book mm-hmm. in the future. We're getting a um, an, no. What, what's Marvel's ambush bug? The guy who wears a fucking pot in his head. I have no idea. <laughs> we're getting a, we're getting a one shot from Who's him. that guy. I don't know, but he's dabbing on the front cover of his one. It's appalling. <laughs> uh, this week we got Power Pack, um, which is a, a one shot written by Devin Grayson, um, who I remember as being a pretty good Batman writer back mm-hmm. in the day around the No Man's Land era, um, with art by Marika Cresta and colors by Chris O'Halloran. Um, do you have, like, Power Pack totally seemed like a group that you would have enjoyed at some I know. Point I know nothing about them, though. I know, like, Alex is was from the Future Foundation stuff, but that's m- the extent of my Power Pack knowledge. Yeah, they annoy Wolverine. Wolverine <laughs> was with them for some time. Is but that so, correct? Yeah, so I mean, this is issue issue number uh, number sixty three of, mm-hmm. of Power Pack, which is a, a series that I guess hasn't been written for many many years. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's a one shot that fo- features the youngest member of Power Pack um, going to school and and telling a story that may or may not have actually happened mm. to her while she was fighting bad guys with Power Pack. I just found this boring. Yeah, it was it was it was boring. I guess if you have a lot of love for these characters, it's fun to check back in. But like comparing this to say like Runaways, that that absolutely um, Rainbow Rowell uh, recent mm-hmm. uh, launched uh, run of Runaways return, like this was just like 
yeah, just really felt like a one shot. And then there's like this desperate plea at the back that's like, um, up next, nothing, not a zilch. It's called a one shot. Duh. Got a problem with that? Then get to work. If you want more power pack, write to us. I don't know. So we're getting yeah. Ma- Master of Kung Fu with Shang-Chi um, soon. We're getting Not Brand Ek, which is where that dude with the, with the pot yep. in his head is. I don't remember what the guy's name is. Silver Sable and the Wild Pack and Dark Hawk. Um, I'm excited uh, about Dark Hawk. Yeah, me too. Um, strange. Fun. I don't mm. know. It's a cool idea, I guess. Like, I, I'd rather just get a one-shot than them committing to a, a series that they don't say is a mini-series and then yeah, suddenly totally. it ends at issue seven or something stupid like that. Agreed. Uh, but cool. I wouldn't really bother with this one, guys. Um, I would absolutely bother with Guardians of the Galaxy, issue number 146. I wouldn't and didn't. Um, it's Jerry Duggan with art by Marcus Toe, who is awesome, um, and colors by Ian Herring. Um, and this was a kind of like a slower issue that just kind of set up what's going to happen um, for these characters uh, in the future. Basically, they've been they've been asked to join the Nova Corps to inspire this, like all the new Nova members don't love that um, it's being run by someone from Earth because no one likes Earth in the Marvel, like from outside yeah, yeah. of Earth in the Marvel Universe, which I think is always a fun thing to revisit. Yeah, it is fun. Um, and so you have um, Ant-Man, who is now a Guardian, um, and uh, Gamora going out and uh, discovering a bunch of like zombies that have been infused with Ultron. Um, and then uh, you have uh, like Star-Lord and, and Rocket actually taking the job quite seriously and uh, trying to get all these like, you know, upstart Nova Corps members in line. Meanwhile, it's being run by Scott Adzit, who is uh, named after a real-life uh. actor who was on 30 Rock. <laughs> fun. <laughs> really fun. It's just like I, I, every, every time I review it, all I just kind of do is do a brief kind of mm. plot point, say I love the art, and just say I really, really enjoy the direction that Duggan has pushed Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, you know, whether you're a fan of the film versions of the Guardians or you're a fan of that great Lanning and um, Abnett run um, on, on uh, you know, all their cosmic stuff, like there's something for you to love here. Um, it's really, really good, and I recommend everyone uh, who's missing the cosmic side of Marvel in their comics to definitely give it a shot. Nice. What do you want to do next? Uh, should we talk about Avengers? I read like three pages of it and was like, nah, I'm good. Good call. Um, this is what I mean about Mark Wade doing some weird, like this story arc features the high evolutionary, and I think he's trying to do some weird race stuff with that, and it made me a little bit feel weird and uncomfortable. Also because I always get the high evolutionary confused with ultra-humanite, who is a DC character who's a giant monkey who's always trying to steal Power Girl's brain. Not so because, I was confused. Just, just because their names are similar, not because they look or act No. Similar. Yeah, yeah no. right, sure. So, yeah, the, the, They're I, not even I, that similar name-wise. <laughs> I, I, I flipped through to the back of this issue to see that... Um, He's uh, evolved Viv Vision. So now she's cute. She's a, she's a human and a black human at that. Which yes. is uh, probably going to make a lot of people on the internet angry. So, I mean, that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Oh, I didn't get that. I thought that she was like still purple or something. It's weird coloring, guys. It looks odd. Is it? It's just brown. Brown skin. But a weird, mm. like, like, an unexpected character direction. Do you reckon she'll stay human for long? I don't know. Because that's problematic in a way. She's like, no, return me to my robot form now. I hate being black. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like there's, I don't know what Mark Wade's doing a lot of the time. It's a little bit odd. Mm. Mm. Um, let's talk about Black Bolt, issue number seven. Um, this is uh, written by Saladin Ahmed with uh, guest artist Fraser Irving, which Woo! is the best kind of guest artist you can get. Um, having escaped the prison that he was in for the past six issues, Black Bolt uh, is now kind of traveling through space with uh, some of the other prisoners that uh, he he allowed on board his spaceship. Um, also, he has Lockjaw slowly repairing. Yep. Um, and 
this was like a kind of quite a cool, like slower issue about him trying to keep this girl mm-hmm. safe. This girl is haunted by her nightmares that actually come into like, like that leave her dreams as she's mm-hmm. dreaming them. Um, and so Black Bolt is confronted by her past and actually has to physically fight it. And then there's also like a big monster that they have to return to his home planet. There is an incredible like dreamlike quality to this book and, and especially this issue because of Fraser Irving's art. It feels very kind of like a really unsettling nightmare the whole time. Yeah, Not definitely. like full scary, but one of those ones where you're like, something weird's going on. But then it's, there's so many lovely character moments. Yeah. In each issue as well. This is, a, this is one of the best books Marvel are putting out at the moment. I, I agree. It's really um, cool. It it's looks, cool and different. Yeah, it's super duper different. So Salad and Ahmed, I think is like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets given something quite, quite big he soon. He's a great talent. Absolutely. And like, this is a great thing because it does tie into the current Inhuman stuff, but you definitely do not have to be reading any other Inhuman stuff to understand what's going on. And Are the cover sure? for the next Al issue Ewing's, looks cool. Al Ewing's doing a good job of, uh, of, of Royals. I agree. Read it. You should read that too. You don't. Um, I don't. <laughs> hey, I don't. I mean, I know the cover is incredible. The color is the cover is like Black Bolt in a guillotine mm-hmm. with his head there, and then he's about to be chopped by a triangle. Yep. Fun. Cool. Um, so keeping things in human for a moment, let's talk about uh, Inhumans: Once and Future Kings, written by Christopher Priest with art by Phil Noto. Um, oh my god, I don't understand what's going on in this book anymore. This, yeah, I do. I, parts of it I do. Um, so this is like. Like a, a an early story in the Inhumans' uh, lives when they they first come to Earth, mm-hmm. um, and uh, they immediately the first one of the first people they see is Spider Man, and they think he's an Inhuman, so they have a fight, and there's like a weird feedback loop that allows Maximus the Mad and Spider Man to feel connected mm-hmm. and and kind of know what each other knows. There's brilliant moments between Triton as he's like he's like been held prisoner in like a um, experiments lab. Um, I really enjoyed that. But then there's just like, I don't know, there's a bunch of characters that kind of look really similar. Yeah. And there's even like two characters that have helmets and both the helmets look similar. I couldn't work out what the fuck that helmet was meant to mean. Yeah. Who is that? (laughs) I feel feel really, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And there's just like a couple of weird moments. Like, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't heaps enjoy this. Hmm. But it's the first proper miss from this, this series. Yeah, absolutely. I think most of it came from like, I don't like the way Christopher Priest writes Spider-Man. Yes, he refers to himself as Peter the Webber. And I was like, Spider-Man would never refer to his own first name in public. No, he does that because he is half Maximus the Mad at that point because of the feedback loop. I don't understand how feedback loops work, but they kind of share a brain for half of this issue. So just like Maximus the Mad says, call himself Maximus the Mad. I like also... The bits I liked involved Maximus helping out Aunt May. That was yeah, my favorite that was bit. Fun. But I think part of the issue, my issue with this issue, huh, is that it's the first time she's ever said it on the podcast. Yeah, it's true. Um, I think it's not told in an especially linear way, and it's just confusing. Yeah, totally. Yeah, like, in, in a similar way. Signpost to that, better. Yeah, he he does a pretty good job of of like jumping around the place in uh, in Deathstroke, mm-hmm. Christopher Priest, but it, it's a little easier to follow on this, whereas I don't know why why this is so confusing. I guess because Phil Noto's character designs are quite similar, so yeah. you, there is that confusion. And I'm, we're also not clear of who this kind of character who brought them to Earth in the, to begin with is. Yeah. He's got a big shiny purple helmet. Yeah. Okay. Um, also, <laughs> So he's <the> Magneto. <laughs> maybe. The Lockjaw um, backup written by... Brian North with art by Gustavo Duarte is very funny. Also. Yeah, definitely. Good. Really good. Um, 
those are all the Marvel books I read this week. Oh, really? I like kind of peered into a, a bunch of other ones. I accidentally got the <laughs> last week's issue of Astonishing X-Men. Oh, hey, same. Um, is that the fourth issue four? No, no you got five. five. Oh, that, that's, okay. that, that's the new one. So I, oh, I, okay. I, I fucked up and read the wrong one. So I'll um, that from I still you. like this. Ooh, did I actually read this? This is written by Charles Soule. Um, with a, oh, yeah, I did. It ends. It ends? With, no, sorry. Oh, right, cool. not spoil that, but... It ends with the return of a character that we thought wouldn't return, but of course but he was going to obviously return. obviously he does, because comics. Um, I like this, because I think it... <laughs> I like the concept of, like, the... Um, so the, there's all this shit, mutant shit going on in London, and so the X-Men are there trying to sort shit out with the Shadow King, blah, blah, blah. There is some really fun with this issue... Um, storytelling where a bunch of stuff is happening simultaneously like um, Professor X is doing a bunch of stuff at the same time they present that in a very interesting and good way there's some good character development for a bunch of people who did art on this issue? Um, someone whose name is Ramon Rosanas with Nolan Woodard on colours but also I like the When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Whole story arc of the British being like, you can't just come to our country and like cause all this shit to happen. So like they're about to explode all the mutants. I like this issue. I like this arc. I think it's good. Good Are, X-Men. Um, a Phantom X and, and, uh, and Mystique still riding jet skis and making no, out? No, unfortunately. Zero less, out of ten. Less jet ski makeouts in this. Um, I also read, I read two Spider-Man comics this week. So I heard, I, I feel dumb for not reading this one. I, I picked up, I picked, I picked up Spider-Man, the mm-hmm. um, Brian Bendis written uh, Miles Morales book mm-hmm. and read like two pages of it. And I was like, oh, I don't care about this and, and, yeah. and gave it a miss. Yeah. But what I should have done is picked up um, Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man mm-hmm. written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Michael Walsh. Mm-hmm. Um, because this was like the biggest event in uh, in, in Marvel Comics this week, a very unexpected uh, reveal that uh, Peter Parker, sorry, Spider-Man reveals that he is Peter Parker to, some would say his oldest nemesis, yeah, uh, J. Jonah Jameson. Absolutely. Um, and yet this was quite a boring issue. I'm so, oh, damn. I'm so was, People were raving about this issue. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I just found that like a lot of the conversation that they have is 
annoying and not interesting because the whole thing is like spider-man sits down to dinner with j jonah jameson jameson has made him a lasagna (laughs) and is like let's let's talk and it's an interview um for his blog and it kind of I don't know. Maybe this is better than I'm giving it credit or something. It looks incredible. The art's really, really great. And it delves deep into like their history. But it's one of those things where like they're never... Like, J. Jonah Jameson is such a cartoony character and his hatred for Spider-Man is so cartoony that it's a bit kind of eye-rolly to have it dealt with so seriously. Sure. Um, and I don't especially... Which I, I find really surprising, but I don't especially like the way Chip Zdarsky writes Peter. It's that weird kind of sincerity that he sometimes gives to characters. Well, that's what. That's why I stopped reading it. Yeah, the first or second issue. I don't find it that compelling. I, I thought he would be way funnier, um, and it's sort of not that engaging to me. But Michael Walsh does an incredible job, and I think it's worthwhile picking up just to see what's going to happen next. Like, how does J. Jonah Jameson deal with this knowledge? Is he even going to be able to accept it? So does it end like a cliffhanger page of him revealing who he is to J. Jonah or to J. J.? No, he like runs away. Oh right. And does something else. Because there's also this stupid plot to do with his sister, Teresa. Oh, yeah, that's boring. Spider-Man's got a sister called Teresa. Look, there's a, there's an unwritten law. No comic book hero should have sisters. I agree. It's the worst superpower you can have. <laughs> sisters are terrible. I have four. Um, so, I, 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 yeah, I, I, was, I intended to read Old Man Logan, Iron Fist, and Spider-Man. And I was just like, yeah, yeah. I'm good. So, I'm going to give those a pass. Good call. Um, are they all the Marvel books that we read this they week? They are. Let's move on to Image. And we talk about the book that we rave about every time we talk about it. Um, Crosswind Yay. by Gail Simone and Kat Staggs. The um, incredibly fun uh, body swap, Freaky Friday-esque um, kind of crime comedy book mm-hmm. um, in which a, uh, like a gangster swaps bodies with a housewife. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he, he has to like, you know, do dumb things like uh, impress... The, his, his her husband's boss on a dinner, like a, and then uh, help his steps help help her stepson like be deal tough. with bullies. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, she has to like clean up dead bodies. And, yeah, and, and <laughs> stop people from getting murdered. Yeah, um, it's so fun. It's so I really, fun. I'm so surprised that more people aren't enjoying this book because I find it so thoroughly enjoyable on every level. And I've I've grown to quite love Cat Stags' art. Absolutely, too, and it's and it goes against everything I. I mean, yeah. If if if, she, if Kat Sags did art on like a Star Wars book and yeah. it was specifically meant like referencing photos of characters that I were familiar with their filmic counterparts of, mm-hmm. I would have a problem with it. But it's you know I don't, I don't even know if this is photo referency. Like there are no. some parts where it looks proper cartoony, but there is just like a, a, a strange effect in the coloring that uh that I normally don't like but i i actually quite like it now absolutely i think it really is an example of gal simone finding the right partner to work with on this project specifically i think that she did a great job with the clean room getting john michael john John davis hunt john davis hunt um on that book i think that you know like working with nicola on secret six is another example but this is just the right artist for the right job. Yeah, I can't imagine this book not done in this semi-realistic style. Absolutely. I think it lends itself to, you really imagine this as a movie as you're reading it. Totally. Which is not something I normally want out of a comic book, but it works really well for this this, this tale. And it's so fun. Like I love that now things are getting slightly more complicated and more people are like finding out what's going on. 
Well, and and that there's this like bizarre mystic kind of yeah. reason that they were swapped, and, and obviously, well, and, the, and the actual reason that, that 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 they of all people in the world were swapped is is like quite funny and yeah, like, needlessly complicated from the point of view of this one character that's caused it. Um, yeah, this is a this is a great book, and I'm I'm, I'm worried that there's only one issue left. Oh really? I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. It just feels like it, they're they're about to wrap this thing up. I just love this. I love, yeah. Yeah, the next issue they say next and end to things as they are. Mm. Hopefully, I'm hopefully I'm just reading into it the wrong way. Mm. Great book, really yeah. really fun. So fun. Um, let's talk about Paper Girls issue number seventeen. Um, also so fun. Oh yeah, in, in, but also the challenge is we can't spoil anything in it. Uh, Brian just... Brian Cave on. Cliff Chang and Matt Wilson, Jared K. Fletcher on this book about four accidentally time-traveling paper girls mm-hmm. uh, from the 80s uh, who are currently in 1999, or is it just after the Y2K bug? Anyway, they're, they're dealing Y2K with the ramification of Y2K um, and they have, uh, have found themselves an, a, a strange and unlikely ally mm-hmm. um, that has links to their newspaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the, being in the future, they're finding out things about themselves by seeing themselves or catching, like, you know, finding glimpses of their families firsthand and figuring out who are the kind of people they grow up into being. Yeah. The the reveal on the last page is pretty hilarious and incredible. I would be pissed if I went to the future and I was like, that's my husband. Some, the crow lookalike. Boo. <laughs> yeah. Um, this was a, this is a still a very, very fun, fun issue. It's so it just you just never know what the next page is going to give you. Yeah, totally. Characters double cross each other, or you suddenly jump forward in time, or some bizarre creature suddenly shows up. But we're finally starting to get some level of understanding of what is going on, like the overarching plot of like why is there all this time travel? Who are all these weird future kids and the future adults and all the all that stuff is now starting to sort of make a bit more sense, and it's very satisfying. I yeah. think he's sort of revealing stuff about. Um, the world in a very like satisfying way and it's just such a joy to see cliff chang and good Matt Wilson working together they, the they're, they're so such a good pairing yep um yeah and I'm i love all, this book i'm always tempted to rip the pages out and make the poster like yeah they always tell you to but i never will never um great great issue great book Agreed. great covers too um the whole full package really Mm-hmm. Um, Extremity issue number eight came out this week Written and drawn by Daniel Warren Johnson With colours by Mike Spicer mm-hmm. This is the uh, Image and Skybound book about uh, War <laughs> yeah. War between like different planets mm-hmm. And different uh, different people who choose to identify themselves With different facial tattoos mm-hmm. um, War perpetuating more war and violence And, and the families affected by it Yeah, um, I think... Uh, this is like the biggest kind of development plot-wise, I and mean, we can't really go into it too much uh, on the yeah. show. But I was, I was re- very satisfied for this to be a not as uh, until the end, like not as action-heavy, mm-hmm. and really, you know, actually, I was super action-heavy. What am I talking about? But, yeah, there's a bunch of giant monsters in this issue. Also, there's giant monsters, guys. Yeah, have we sold is, you yet? Yeah, like we've said it before, but it's very like ultra-violent Avatar: The Last Airbender vibes. Yeah, definitely. And uh, the, we have two two children who are well, they're, they're adults now, but teens. Uh, they uh, have escaped from their war-obsessed father, who we mm-hmm. previously kind of viewed as the hero. And we now see, you know, their their understanding of what war does and what their actions continuing war does. And mm. uh, yeah, it's 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 a really really like beautiful and cool book with insane action montages in it. Um, and uh, death's always lurking around the corner for always. most of our heroes. And for you too, listener. Oh, God. 
Um, so, did you read any other image books this week? No, that was it. I got a bunch oh, that you do not read. Uh, Lazarus X plus 66. Um, this is the mini series uh, in the interim while uh, Michael Lark has a little holiday. Um, well, uh, or, or he's probably just catching up and drawing all these very intricate drawings for the next uh, few issues of Lazarus when it <laughs> returns. But this is uh, written by Greg Rucker and um, uh, Eric Troutman, who are best known for their collaboration on Checkmate. Uh-huh. Um, and this one had uh, an artist who I'm not familiar with, um, Aletha Martinez, um, doing a story uh, based on the, the Lazari, kind of like all the, all the rich families in this horrible future society um, have like a someone who kind of like leads their armies and they're and and protects their family and they're they're referred to as a lazarus mm-hmm. and they can they, like you know you know that they they're enhanced and they can kind of you know take a lot more damage than your average person and they get they get they die and they're reborn again there are multiple clones of them all that kind of thing and this kind of told a story of two lazari um from who are kind of fighting for land within north africa um and uh Basically, you know, them being both of them being told to uh, to go on this mission and at the and work to work together, but at the end of it, the mission, they're they're each told to kill the other one, and you know, these two all the Lazari kind of uh, are friends, hmm. um, and we saw these characters in the main series of Lazarus um, at a pretty pivotal moment in the plot, and they kind of talk about it from their point of view um, in this issue, and you know, you're, you're basically reading the entire book wondering if they're going to after like you know saving each other's lives multiple times while trying to commit, complete the mission will one of them go for go through with it and kill the other it's a pretty pretty interesting uh, mm. read and it's you know they, they, all these little one shots have been pretty enjoyable and and definitely kind of further expand this very big immersive world that Ruck has created for these characters to live in Ruck is so good he's he's one of the best although you, lately i've been very much missing the old guard Mm. I want that to come oh back my soon, goodness! Please. Yes, that is such a beautiful. Because we need to start putting together our favorite comics of the year list for oh, our gosh. listeners to vote on soon. Okay. In fact, we're going to have to start, start doing that like this week. Yeah. And uh, that'll definitely be up there for best image series, maybe definitely. even best best series of the year soon. Goodness. Best new series. Uh, I read The Walking Dead issue number one hundred seventy-three, um, uh, in which uh, finally a bad person dies. That uh, hoorah! Um, and uh, the, the ramifications of their death is is, is uh, going to be pretty weird and crazy because it could be the end of uh, a threat for good yeah. um, but that doesn't mean like there's any shortage the yeah that's <laughs> right King Zombie <laughs> died and as you know if you kill King Zombie all the other zombies just return back to normal and that's mm. what's happening that's great um, but uh, there is a new <laughs> really happy ending for The Walking Dead there's a new threat and it's revealed uh, as uh, all of the, these characters were going to potentially meet with an ally are now being held at gunpoint in a, uh, in a panel that really looks like a kind of classic X-Men cover Sure does. Um, but yeah, it's it's you know like this book. I think it's it's beyond ever being truly great again, but it's always enjoyable. Mm. Um, that said, I'm, I'm I'm willing to be surprised, but I just think there's too many too many pieces moving around, and there's yeah. too much. It just has too much to balance, and with, you know how the show as big as it is, mm. I just can't see The Walking Dead being like you know it'll it'll never be my favorite book, but I don't think I'll ever stop reading it. That's good. Uh, finally, Stray Bullets, Sunshine and Roses, number 29, uh, told another horrible story about another person's life who's turned to absolute shit, written and drawn by David Laffham. Um, and uh, this issue, you spent, you spend the entire time, this you know, character you were introduced to at the start who's you know, involved in drugs and murder and lying about who he is. You're like, man, what, what's going on? How does he link to the main plot? And when it's finally revealed... It's done so in a really disgusting manner. Nice. Um, that only this book can do. And I love every fucking page of it. 
Yeah. Read Stray Bullets, you guys. Someone. Someone fucking read Stray Bullets. Still, not one listener has gotten in touch <laughs> and let me know that, that, that they're reading it alongside it as I do. Um, I need a friend. Yeah. Um, let us know if you're reading it, please, <laughs> today. Uh, finally, from Marvel, I read Star Wars Darth Vader. No, wait. We're talking about Image. Yeah. What's this doing in my pile? Well, I don't know. You didn't mention it before, though. I, I fucked up. Uh, let's, it good? let's go back let's pretend I rolled the dice that nice. wrong this is a bonus roll uh, Star Wars Darth Vader Charles Soule and uh, Giuseppe Camoncoli um, and Danielle Orlandini um, telling this cool story of like you know we're so used to um, Darth Vader being tasked with having to track down all the remaining Jedi and destroy them mm-hmm. um, this is set uh, in between episode 3 and episode 4 um, but in this case he's uh, tasked by the Emperor to find this Jedi who is kind of like the the only person in, in the universe that has all the information of not just like the, the Jedi history but also the, the history of the Sith mm-hmm. and um, he's given strict instructions to not kill her, in fact protect her yeah. because the Emperor wants everything in her head um, and it's cool, it's a fun spin on what you've kind of expect from a Darth Vader book Cool and I love the way that uh, Sol writes Darth Vader. It's good. Nice. Very good. good. That leaves us with DC, and we're going to talk. We're going to talk about some Batman books, you guys. All right. Starting with issue thirty-four of uh, of Batman by Tom King, Joel Jones, and Jordi Belair. We loved issue thirty-three, which introduced this creative team. Um, and this story continues, hopefully, for many more issues with this same creative team. Uh, basically, uh, Selena and Bruce, aka Catwoman and Batman, are, are, go- are going to be married. But mm-hmm. uh, before they do that, they needed to travel to somewhere, Middle Eastern, yep. um, and uh, confront Bruce's ex-lover, uh, Talia al Ghul. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we kind of went into this thinking that it was because of something, you know, Bruce needed to ask. But instead, it actually links to Selena Kyle, mm-hmm. and specifically the uh, the murderer that she took the rap for yep. um, however many issues ago. Um, this was a great, chaotic action yeah. issue with these beautiful moments of um of damian wayne and mm-hmm. dick grayson who have also gone to the same town to track down um bruce and selena mm-hmm. because damian is quite distraught about mm-hmm. you know like, like, why is why is his father meeting with his mo- evil mother mm. and why didn't he know about it first um and there's just like you know the, the friendship that these two characters or even like mentorship yeah. or like the relationship just basically that they have. It's, it's, it's really, really sweet. And it's beautiful. One of the better moments from, from Jones this week. Just such a such a tremendous talent. Like Definitely. She is so, She's so, so good. She just nails those quiet moments. She has made Dahlia Al Ghul a genuinely like engaging character. I love the way that she draws Catwoman. I think that she gives real personality to Selena. Um, I'm really looking forward to the upcoming sword fight. <laughs> yeah, I was the thing. Like, of course, like I don't think we're spoiling anything when we say that this issue and yeah. ends in Talia Al Ghul uh, uh, asking, stabbing Batman. Well, uh, asking Catwoman for a jewel. Yeah, and so it ends with them both holding swords and Catwoman saying meow. And I was it's like, great. This was this is as good as Batman comics get for me. It I really just, is. I love all of these characters and they're just being written and drawn so well. Yeah. Um, and the, the, you know the, the art team of Belair and, and Jones is like a dream. So incredible. So good. So beautiful. What um, a beautiful book. This is going to be looked back on with like. You know, it's been such a cr- crazy, varied run. Whereas I feel like, you know, it's all of Snyder's books are very thematically similar. Mm. Um, Tom King, like, you know, is genuinely doing like different genre takes for Absolutely. each arc. Um, and uh, you know, they're, like, there, there, my my favorite Batman run is um, the Legends of the Dark Knight run that started in like I think it's coincided with the release of the Batman movie. But it's mm-hmm. just like every it starts. It's where like Prey, that great Batman short story, and like mm-hmm. um, 
that Grant Mor- the um, the, Ve- the Venom Batman where Venom t- Batman takes a little Venom. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a whole bunch of amazing Batman short stories that come in like one issues and like it's really cool and varied. And I feel I actually get Legends of the Dark Knight vibes from how varied Tom King's writing is arc to arc on yeah, this run. Absolutely, I love it. This is a great issue. One of my favorite of the week. Yeah, and Joel Jones draws an incredible Damien. Just like his face, I think she's really nailed she's in some fundamental way. In general, yeah. looks incredible. So good, so good. So I finished reading that, and I was just like, "Oh my god, Batman's a, the best!" What a brilliantly like tightly written Batman. I, I flew through it, and then mm-hmm. I turned it, went and back, and I read it again because mm-hmm. I was just like, "It's everything I want from a Batman book." Mm-hmm. And then I read issue two of Batman White Knight. Uh, written and drawn by Sean Murphy with colors by Matt Hollingsworth. This is the kind of like story where it asks what what if uh, Joker was able to prove that he was the same one and Batman was the mad one. And mm. so the this, you know issue one opened with Batman stuck in Arkham Asylum while Joker hooned around in the Batmobile. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the first page was just like no, mm. <laughs> this just wall of text. Yeah. Um, word balloons just filled to the brim of exposition as Joker explains to a courtroom, you know, what he intends to do and who Batman is and that mm. he's going to expose and like things that he'd already said in the in yeah. issue one. But then, you know, once I got through that, that page, the issue was great. I just like, it's just so yeah. funny. Like what, you know, you, you want to, you, you don't, you, you want to get a good, like, you know, value experience from, mm. from buying a comic, but not like this. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Agreed, especially because like he's such a great visual storyteller. A lot of this wasn't really necessary. Mm. There's some real weird stuff in this book as well. Like it's taking a very weird kind of meta look at Batman, I guess. So th- with this one particular example is Har- yeah. the Harley Quinn. So Jack Napier, aka Joker, returns uh, sans makeup to uh, his, I guess, his lair, his joke shop, mm-hmm. to find um, a Harley Quinn who looks just like Margot Robbie's. Uh, Suicide Squad portrayal of, mm-hmm. of Harley Quinn. Uh, the waiting... more contemporary sort of design. Yep. Um, waiting for waiting for him in, a, in his joke shop. And um, she's like, come on, when, when are we going to go back to, like, you know, doing some crime? Let's go back on another crime spree. Mm. And um, instead he, like, puts a ring on her finger and tries to make an honest woman out of her. And mm-hmm. she won't have a bar of it. She, like, starts beating him up. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then suddenly she gets booted in the face by um, a Harley Quinn who looks more classic like, Harley Quinn, yeah, like like the the animated series Harley mm-hmm. Quinn in the jester outfit, mm-hmm. and it turns out that um, you know at some point during the Joker's tenure, um, he uh, she, the Harley Quinn replaced herself mm. with a really dumb bimbo version of herself that we yeah. that we're kind of now familiar with, and we get this like uh, I really liked that element of it. This it was a fun take on. It was like it's certainly the best Harley Quinn I've read in a comic book ever. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, but the, I, I sort of found this issue a little bit confusing because they're like, I'm, I wanted them to genuinely be good guys for a minute because they're sort of like, ah, oh, you ready to be a, are you ready to be a good guy for a little while? And they're all determined, but then they immediately turn to like mind controlling villains or something like yeah, weird. using using Sandman. I think it's yeah, like they're they're, they're doing. Using a combination of Mad Hatter technology and Clayface, like literally using, like clayface. having people eat Clayface. Yeah, Clayface. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess they're just using like nefarious means to do something good. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I love uh, Sean Murphy's take on so many of uh, Batman's rogues gallery. Yeah, and the reveal that each of them are sitting at the table by like all the different motifs and drinks they're drinking. Yeah, like Scorpion drinks like a 
Scorpion brand tequila mm-hmm. and the penguin drinks iceberg vodka with a penguin on it. <laughs> um, there's some fun stuff in this. Yeah. No, this is this is pretty enjoyable. Yeah. If I, a little bit, maybe teensy bit just on the nose. Well, it's, it, it, like there are parts of it that feels like it was written as like a year 12 four unit English major assessment. Yeah, totally. I'm like, you know, like, oh, here's what heroes what are really about. What if Batman was the bad guy? And also we saw like the greatest simplified version of Joker being in love with the Batman in the Lego Batman movie this year already. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You should, oh, you would love that. You yeah. should definitely watch it. I'll lend it to you. Okay. Um, uh, Batman White Knight, issue number two. It's It looks beautiful. Yeah. Um, and I think... It's still good fun. Yeah, definitely. It's like um, a good fun Elseworlds book that's not called an Elseworlds book. Did you read The Shadow and the Batman um, issue two? Oh, I did. Um, Where is it? This, I, it's not, I guess it's not technically a DC book because this one was published by Dynamite mm. um, after the Batman and the Shadow book was published by DC. It's confusing. Um, and they were also both written by Steve Orlando. However, mm-hmm. the DC one was co-written with Scott Snyder. Uh, Steve Orlando writes this one by himself um, and art is by incredible Giovanni Timpano, mm-hmm. who I learnt... Um, through like an old poster, mm. um, did a signing at King's Comics a few months ago. Oh yeah, he did too. Yeah, I wasn't working, so yeah, that's, that's re- why that's I didn't cool. say anything about it. But yeah, that was cool. Um, Colors by by Flavio Dispenza, um, and I love this so much more than I enjoyed the um, the DC Batman in the Shadow book. Yeah, I'm probably gonna actually continue reading this one. Um, so this is like uh, in, in, in this world, uh, Robin has moved. Well, Damian, Damian Wayne as Robin has moved mm-hmm. to New York and co- considers that his territory now in order to prove himself to his father. Um, and uh, while he's there, he uh, uncovers like a you know nefarious plot by one of the Shadow's bad guys and ends up having to get his life saved by the Shadow when he tries, bites off more than he can chew during a fight. Um, and then in the bat, when they return to the Batcave, it's like this fun kind of like Damian doesn't work want to work with. Well, like Batman doesn't want to work with the Shadow and Damien doesn't want to work with either of them. He wants mm. to prove himself on his own. Um, and that combination is, is, is really, really fun. I, I, and also Rachel Ghoul is involved, which is just a better villain than the Joker. Yeah. Um, for me. What? For mine. Do you reckon? Mm, no. No? <laughs> I, 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 he's my one of my favorite Batman. I, Two-Face is number one. Rachel yep. Ghoul, probably I think two. Two-Face is probably the best one. Um. But Joker for me is very hit, mostly miss over hit. Hmm, I'd have to think about because they try and make him too gross and weird now. Whereas I like, I love a crown, the Crown Prince of Crime. Yeah, 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 totally. What did I say? Crown Clown, the Clown Prince of Crime. Clown, and now I see why they don't use it anymore. It's very hard to it's say. It's Really complicated. <laughs> Um, I, I don't like the uh, you know Heath Ledger inspired comic no, versions that we not see now, especially. Um, but anyway, yeah, this uh, this the Tom King version is pretty great though. Yeah, well, he was much more like the, the Clown Prince of Crime who yeah. just murders a fucking ton. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. Um, I think it's really, really cool. I mean, I, a big part of it is the extremely European art. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, why wouldn't I love a book that looks like that? Absolutely. Real it's beefy, great. Real beefy faces. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it's good fun. Um, so a lot of good Batman books at the moment. Mm-hmm. Superman. Letting down the side. I mean... And I feel like Wonder Woman as well. Like that was like one of the big things we said after Rebirth was like, oh, it's so good having Batman, yeah. Superman, and Wonder Woman. Like the, the big great. three of, of DC, it'll all be really great. Mm-hmm. And um, Batman's better than it ever was at the moment. The, yeah. the core Tom King book, but um, this is uh, Imperious Lex, the second part of this arc, written by Peter Tomasi and Patrick Gleason. But why don't why don't we get Patrick Gleason on art? That might be a big yeah, part of it. Maybe I want to see what his apocalypse looks like. Totally. Um, instead, we get like kind of a, a mishmash of artists. We get Ed Bennis, um, Doug Mankey, and Jack Herbert. 
um, with colors by Danae Ribeiro. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is uh, Superman and Lois and John and Lex are all on Apocalypse and they've kind of transported Lex Luthor there because they want him to take Darkseid's throne after usurping him at some point in Jeff Johns's Justice League run. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, for a book about the really crazy and fun land of Apocalypse, mm. I mean, it's not fun, but it's like, you know, it's extremely yeah. imaginative and this is just dull. Really boring, right? I, I love, like, the cover is incredible. The cover is of uh, Lois Lane as, like, a... Um, fury. A Fury, sorry. A fe- female Fury. fury. <laughs> um, I, I, but even that story arc is really Really dull. dull. Yeah. It read, like, um, when you get, like, an um, anthology series alongside an event. And like, this is what Lois Lane was doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally. Um, and, uh, and I just don't buy her being that competent a warrior. Uh, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, I, 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 although I did shudder when she, when she rips into the raw meat from the worm they slay. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm weirded out by like how badly they handle John Kent in this book now. Like Superboy yeah. just feels shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And Not I, great. And, and especially cause we've got such a great Superman and um, Damian Wayne moment in Batman 34 this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where, like totally. Damien said that he'd use he'd just use magic to take down Superman. Yeah, like, I like to that to his bit. face, like tried to so balls. Everyone uses kryptonite, but I'd use magic. You're like, that's a good call, Damien. And Superman's reply is like, I won't let you play with my son if you keep being a dick. <laughs> like that's great. <laughs> that's the best. Yeah. And just, what else do you want? This is just like, uh, yeah, I, I might have to drop it soon. I know, right? <sighs> yeah. Which is tragic. I'm surprised. You know, we've we've given it chances and chances yeah. and chances. I might just leave this arc and come back on the next arc. Yeah, I'm, I, I love Lex Luthor, though, and I'm curious to know what they're going to do with him. Yeah. But it looks like he's just going to try and com- like confuse, I don't know, blah, 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 who cares. He's just like, you don't want me to be the ruler, <laughs> you want Superman. Like, so let's step out of the realm of uh, regular... Oh, no, you've got these... Have you, I fucking forgot to pick this up. Uh, I'm a real doofus, everybody. I didn't pick up Deathstroke doofus. issue number 25, which is a big bonus issue, big extra-sized issue mm-hmm. written by Christopher Priest uh, in which... Um, it sounded a lot like my favorite television show, Venture Brothers, because Deathstroke um, is basically put... It's, it's the trial of Deathstroke, mm-hmm. but he's not being trialed by, like, the law. He's being trialed by all of the supervillains. Yes, um, who the society. Are basically, like, really angry at him for being one of the many villains who are now, like, kind of ambiguous or mm. just fighting on the side of the angels. And, yeah. And there's, like... Yeah, who's on the who's on the uh, the, on the, the society? Jury? So there's a really fun double page spread of all of the members of the society. So it's Killer Frost, Hector Hammond with the really big oversized head, Vandal Savage, Ultra Humanite, Giant Monkey, Great Reverse Flash, Black Manta, this guy who I forget, and also this guy. What's his name? Raptor. Raptor. Right. Oh, cool. Um, That's cool. Raptors in it. Yeah, and also the Riddlers there being like classic super annoying riddler so not this like cool charming shirtless shirtless ver- tom king version he's just like this dick who won't stop fucking he won't um, stop fucking the riddler <laughs> won't stop fucking everybody he's always doing it um won't stop talking in riddles um and this kind of goes back through deathstroke's history a little bit and then just has a bunch of fights i liked it this was good fun this was pretty cool Yep. Yeah, it's good. Great. Yeah, everyone should be reading this book. Um, I think. 
yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal it from you and read it on the way home. Nice, good call. Um, so we're gonna step outside of the regular DC continuity into the uh, the zone that you, that should be called Elseworlds mm. when you think about it, but instead it's just not called anything. Um, we've got a book, an issue issue two of um, Harley and Ivy meet Betty and Veronica, the crossover with Archie Comics, written by Paul Dini and Mark and Mark Andreco, um, with art by it's at the back here, isn't it? Um, what's her name? Laura Brag Braja. I did my classic thing. I've just realized where I started reading this and then I didn't finish. <laughs> Why didn't you finish it? No, not intentionally. Literally, I just started reading it, got distracted by something and put it Possibly down. Possibly a baby. Pro- probably a baby. He's always getting in the way. He's always crawling across your comic books while you're reading them. <laughs> um, so this uh, continues, uh, yeah, basically Harley, Quinn and um, Poison Ivy uh, in Riverdale laying low um, and trying to infiltrate the Lodge's Halloween party. Um, and hilariously, Betty and Veronica are, are dressed as like the modern, sexy versions of mm-hmm. of uh, Harley Quinn and and P- Poison Ivy. Um, and uh, there's some really, really fun interactions in this. Like um, uh, Reggie is dressed as the Joker, mm-hmm. but like complete with like mouth stitches, a la Heath Ledger. Yeah. Um, and is like constantly hitting on on Harley. Mm-hmm. Um, and Harley whacks him with a mallet. And right. then, it, then it looks like the the actual Joker shows up towards the end. Catwoman's there. Um, and Catwoman... Sabrina and Zatanna? Yeah, Sabrina and Zatanna are hanging out because they're like oh, witches. Um, and the issue ends with um, with Selena driving... Uh, Catwoman driving Harley and Ivy back to Gotham um, where a bunch of bad guys are like awaiting them to repay a debt or kill them. Um, and then she realizes that she hasn't got Harley and Ivy at all. She's got Betty and Veronica. <laughs> the old switcheroo. Um, this is a much better comic than it has any right to be. Absolutely. Like, I I loved this. I think it has a lot to do with Laura Braga's art because she really sells the jokes um, and there's some really funny moments and it looks great. Yeah, it really does. Um, and, uh, I mean, the creative, the, the, the writing team of, of Danny and, and Mark Andreco is great too. You can tell that they're, they're, they're people, two, two guys that love both franchises enough and there's heaps of fun Easter eggs and nods to to all the different characters interacting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was great. I'm sad I didn't finish this. I'm going to. Yeah, there, there's plenty of opportunities too in the, in the future. Um, are you continuing this Dastardly and Muttley book? Absolutely not. This is the uh, Hanna, another Hanna-Barbera book, um, Dastardly and Muttley, written by Garth Ennis, um, with art by Morissette. Um, and uh, this is like a totally baffling, weird book, mostly because Ennis is writing it, and it's like Ennis at his most PG um, and he's quite restrained when it comes to like the usual gross out, you know, adult content that he peppers his books with. But mm-hmm. then, so it's, it's, it's like a, it started out as like a fairly grounded kind of like, you know, uh, air force book. Mm. And then they're, they're chasing down this plane. That's kind of like leaking this weird gas into the air. And anyone who comes into contact with the gas, weird, funny, cartoony things happen to them. Mm-hmm. So, um, da- Dick Richard Dastard, I don't know what the fuck his actual name is, but um, he he starts like you know um, talking like Dick Dastardly did in the cartoons, and Muttley gets fused with his dog and has his dog's head, so he actually becomes like a you know a wheeze laughing dog. How does Dick Dastardly talk in the cartoons? Like oh you nefarious fool, right. you know lots of okay. alliter- um, assonance and alliteration right, and right. you know just just descriptors. Um, but, uh, as this continues, like just like all these other weird wacky things start happening within the world. Um, and it's, it's really silly and goofy and I can't believe Garth Ennis is writing it, but I'm, I'm really enjoying this. He's a goofy man. It's just a lot of the time his punchlines are like, and then the poops and periods and balls. Yeah. 
Um, there's none of that in here at all. Nice. Um, in fact, the closest thing to that is one of the best things I saw in a, in a, in a comic book this week. It's the president of the United States of America. Um, he's pretty much in lockdown um, after smashing his opposition's head with a with a mallet um, in in the last issue. Um, right. So he has his. Um, daughter move her harp recital to the white house <laughs> and he's upset because no press come um and then midway through the recital um he's told that he needs to stand down as president so instead he decides to run through her oh harp my god amazing in like classic cartoon like fashion he's he's split into all into ribbons basically wow and it's not gory it's just like this you know cartoonish way of destroying somebody <laughs> He's probably still going to be alive and just in pieces after this. It's very, Great. really funny. I don't know what the fuck's going to happen in this book. It's really, really bonkers, but I'm enjoying it. Um, finally, Injustice 2, issue number 13, written by Tom Taylor. Um, I'm guessing with... this is the Black Adam reference. That's right. Yeah, yeah it is the final DC book we're talking about. So um, Unless he like, showed up in, a, in, a, in like a Dark Horse <laughs> Jazz Maynard this week. Yeah, this yeah. week. <laughs> uh, art by Mark S. Miller. Um, not as good as the uh, past artists on this book have been. This is actually a book that... that, that shifts artists every other issue but mm. you never really notice this is the first time in what 13 issues in that i finally noticed that the art had changed that's mm. uh, very classic dc house style yeah so it helps to have a house style sometimes totally um so this is like to go alongside the video game but it's it really it's just like an elseworlds dc tale that's gone mm. on for years now um and they've built something really special um this this comes out every two weeks um and this one deals with uh supergirl has uh, arrived and uh, instead of being taken in by someone in America, she's taken in by Black Adam. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, it's really, really cool. And so there, um, uh, Damian Wayne, who's a bit older now and actually goes by the name, the name Nightwing, um, ah. has, uh, like he, he's going up. He doesn't agree with what, he's, with what what Batman's doing, so he's kind of split off from him. He like allied himself with um, Ra's al Ghul, but now he's kind of running what? away from that too. Um, and so he goes to Kandak is that yep. the name? Yeah, um, to, to talk to Black Adam and discovers Supergirl. That's and, pretty fun. Um, so Black Adam decides that he wants Damien to stay in Kandak and um, teach Supergirl how to be a hero. Cool. Oh, um, man, I should be reading this. It, it's fucking I, Every great. issue it's, you tell me about, I'm like, that sounds cool. You should definitely pick up some of the trades. And yeah. then so that their end goal now is to train Supergirl to be as pow- powerful enough that they can go and rescue Wonder Woman. Cool. From like, who? In, I don't know. She's in chains in some tower. I didn't read ah. the first Injustice series. Ah. So, you know, I reckon you could just start picking this up. Yeah, totally. And like not really care about the past. He's just like, it's just, it just has so much of, you know, you know, we, we, we loved all these little glimpses of DC heroes that we don't hear much from of in, uh, in the dark Knight book happening at the moment, dark Knights mm. metal. Um, but this is like way more enjoyable. I think like, it's just a very fun series. Yeah, and even cool. though this is like about like, you know, these DC characters are way more prone to killing each other. Mm. Um, it's way lighter and way more fun than dark Knights metal. Yeah, totally. I guess not being like, sort of constrained by the main mm. continuity means that Tom Taylor is able to have a much freer reign on this whole Definitely. thing. Definitely. I know he has like, it has like a cult following, but it deserves mm. more than that. I actually think like this is like one of the best DC books out right now. Cool. Yeah. Just for being like a sheer fun adventure comic. Yeah. It's great with all, so many different characters and moving pieces. So those are our DC Marvel and image reviews. All that's left for us to do is all of the other publishers this week. And I got a, so we got a sizable stack. Yeah. What are you going to talk about first, Shinburn? Uh, should we talk about Archie first? Yeah, let's do it. Archie? We talked about Betty and Veronica. Let's, let's give the Archie to... Another Mark Wade book. The third Mark Wade book this week. Yep, that's right. Um, Art by Audrey Mock. Yeah, I think Audrey Mock is like one of my favorite artists to do this new run of like, you know, second after Fiona Stoll and you've got Veronica Fish too. Yeah. She's in, she's in a high predict. That's a, that's a good top three to be. She's definitely up there. And I think that oh, she fucking really... Derek Charm too. Jesus. It's tough. <laughs> I think that Audrey Mock really suits... 
like the thing about this current Archie run, and I'm finding myself less and less engaged with it, I think because it's gone so far towards just being like a teen drama mm-hmm. and it's not really like that funny a book anymore. Like there's definitely some joke moments. How? <laughs> but that's, I think... that's my favorite like re- recurring joke whenever. Yeah. yeah. Whenever Archie does something, you're like, how did you do that? There's someone screaming, how? Because um, he's so clumsy, guys. I don't know if... Aud- I think Audrey Mark really sells the teen drama moments. Right. And I think it looks very stylish and all that stuff is really good. I don't know if she necessarily sells the comedic moments yeah, for right. me personally. There aren't many of them in no. the writing anyway. So. No, this arc is all about Betty being in a wheelchair and Reggie is going to jail with Cheryl Blossom's dad. I like that though. Yeah, that was pretty yeah. funny. Like it's still... It's engaging, but it's just not really archy. For me. Sure. No, it's I'm Riverdale. Really, you should you should check out your pal Archie. I know I should. It's a lot more fun and classic. Totally. One thing I do really enjoy about this, and I was reminded that this like reading this issue is how much I love that it's all split up into little chapters. Yeah, that is good fun. Um, so like yeah, like every every little different moment between different characters will be a different chapter with a kind of fun little title. Um, yeah. But this is like yeah, I mean it is classic Archie in the way that like like the themes are heavier, but this is still Jughead trying to like double cross yeah. some parents to, so Archie and Betty can can hang out. But it's leading into probably like one of the most annoying sort of plot things that happens in sort of teen dramas where someone overhears something but they mishear what's really going on, and so now Veronica is going to break up with Archie, and she thinks that. Archie and Betty are doing it, but they're not. They're actually just really good friends. And if you just talk to them, there wouldn't be a problem. Anyway. The, the teens never talk to each other. Also, never ever watch the anime game. Is it that annoys you? That, that, the entire, <laughs> Isn't that the whole concept? The entire, it's, I loved it. It was so. It, it, maybe you would like appreciate it because it's that, that concept turned up to 11. Right, okay. Every, yeah. every episode is each one of the characters mishearing something that, 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 like, that they're that their partner or their, their mm. crush says and like losing their minds and then misinterpreting <laughs> the information to somebody else. And so like you have five characters in a room and each of them thinks the other one is there for a different reason or that is, yeah. that's funny. Yeah. It's really, really funny. It, it is one of the most complained about um, animes from like the last year. Oh really? Too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. Can't wait for that second season. Um, but uh, yeah, like, I see what you mean about Archie. I like having a really fun like a really light soap opera book yeah, to read each, totally. each week, but I, I guess having it be, you know, your most your favorite, mm. most beloved franchise of all time, be this now, I can see why you would. Uh, yeah, like it's fine. It's just not got a lot for me these days. It's aggressively, I want, aggressively not for you. Uh, not quite aggressive. Yet. Not quite aggressive. But somewhat. But just give me more jokes about burgers. Yeah, and Archie having to take two dates to the dance. <laughs> That's what I want. I mean, but at the core of that, like. Often, doubled like accidental two dates happen because of misheard information. Mm, true. So, how do you get there without without? Yeah, but I like it when it's played for for laughs. L a f f s. I have been waiting when they would end the Betty and Veronica relationship. Sorry, the uh, Archie and Veronica relationship and return the Betty and, and Archie. Do you, yeah. reckon, do you reckon that'll happen? I don't know. Or do you reckon he'll date Midge or Hot Dog? Not if Moose has anything to say about it. What do you reckon, Hot Dog? Definitely. Any any shippers out there of Archie and Hot Dog? <laughs> I really hope not. Um, so let's move on from Archie to Boom. Talk about a uh, little surprise favorite book of mine at the yeah. moment called Lazaretto, um, which is written by Clay McLeod Chapman with illustrations by Jay Levang um, and uh, letters by Aditya Bedika 
Um, and this is a boom book um, about a, a virus outbreak in a, uh, a, a, a college in a, in a, mm. across a few dorms. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, our kind of heroes are two freshmen um, who are very, very dissimilar, but have similarities in that they are like kind of like outcasts. Misfits. Yeah, misfits. Um, and everyone in the college has like this crazy virus that is each issue kind of intensifies somewhat. Yeah, it's like this disgusting... Oh, it gets really disgusting in this issue because they get... There's different phases of the disease and the final stage is called like the spitters. And it, yeah, it's a really it's they, disgusting they, they, they way of... Passing the virus yeah. on, like, spitting into other people's mouths. Yeah, it's gross. It's real, real yucky. Um, but I, I like that this is like this really uneasy, horrible... Yeah. Um, and it's kind of dealing with things like the sort of fraternity rape culture kind of stuff through this sort of almost zombie virus thing and it's really it's really clever yeah definitely um and, and it, it, we're now going into, into the territory of full, full-blown horror not quite gore yet like it's yeah, like it's, it's definitely it's, gross it's hinting on it without being like too too shocking but um yeah i, I, I this isn't a real a real surprise i don't normally go for books like this but I no it's, it's really enjoyable yeah it's really really fun I'm into it um so away from boom now and over to vault um, they put out the second issue of a book that was uh, another weird surprise called Spiritus, mm-hmm. which was about a, a woman on death row. And uh, in this world, when you when you are on death row, your body gets you, you, your brain gets removed from your body, and your body gets turned into like this weird mech kind yeah. of robot uh, law enforcer. Yeah, um, and then you and, have to be a robo slave. Yeah, but so in this book the first issue she her brain wasn't removed but she was made into a robot mm-hmm. um, and so she's escaped in this weird robot body and this deals with like her past mm-hmm. um, she was like a prof- professional fighter before she was arrested yep um, what's up Shadowstar are you sneezing bless a bunch um, allergic a, sorry, to good I, I forgot that you say um, bless you not what's up <laughs> when, when a baby sneezes <laughs> um and uh, yeah, this uh, kind of continued. Like, I had her kind of properly escaping the, mm. the facility that she was uh, she was held in, and kind of uh, expanded on on the world and the characters within it in this bizarre kind of robot crime world. Yeah, good fun. Really cool. Very unique art. Yeah. <laughs> um, who did I? I didn't actually say what it was by. It's written by Damien A. West. No, it isn't. I doesn't even say the creators. Who's who's it friggin' written by? Here we go. Um, written words and design by Tim Daniel. Um, and Michael Kennedy did the art. It's very, very cool, very unique book, mm-hmm. and um, kind of delivers on the promise of like vaults being this like weird kind of publisher of comics that don't exist anywhere else. Yeah, it feels, totally. This feels very, very unique. Really cool, high concept sci-fi with like an incredible sort of visual style that's really different to anything else out there at the moment. I like it a lot. Definitely. Uh, so before we end the episode on Jazz Maynard if, issue six, we've got one comic each that the other one did not read. Yes. Um, Start with yours, Siobhan. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like yours is probably better. I tried to pick up Usagi Ujimbo this week, but um, there was only one copy left on the shelf, and I no, felt like I, a jerk. I, I took it. I was that <laughs> jerk. <laughs> um, so I read issue five of Clue, the comic, because I like comics based on board games. I don't like comics based on video games. <laughs> um, this is pretty silly, but it's pretty enjoyable. We're sort of figuring out who the villain is while sort of referencing all the classic Clue things, like secret passageways and people being killed with pipes pi- with pipes and ropes and all that kind of stuff and candlesticks that sort of Iggy Azalea-esque character um, is dead so thank goodness oh shit 
Great news for everyone. She didn't get to release an album. <laughs> I like this. And it's six issues, so it's just going to be this little self-contained mystery. That's pretty good fun. But also, we've seen dead characters not be dead so yes, far in this exactly. book. So, so who knows? She could, who knows? Be, she could put out that album after all. Everyone could be dead. No one could be dead. Um, Usagi Yojimbo, issue number 163, came out through Dark Horse, uh, written and drawn by Stan Sakai. Uh, this is the start of a new art called Mousetrap, um, in which... Um, you know, this is Usagi Yojimbo is a samurai rabbit, mm-hmm. and, um, and uh, he, uh, you know, this is just—it's all about all the comics are about like honor among thieves or honor among samurai, mm-hmm. um, and the life of a samurai giving yourself to a public that doesn't really appreciate you. Um, and uh, this sees Usagi kind of chase after a, a thief called Nazumi, um, who gives half of his everything he steals back to the people, especially the poor. Cool. Um, and. Uh, Nazumi, after escaping from Usagi and the police, um, overhears, um, so like kind of sees a murder of someone that he used to rob from in the past. And um, upon realizing that he overheard and saw what happened, um, they he gets chased away. They try to kill him, and then instead they decide to frame him. So everyone thinks that he's the murderer. Mm. Um, and um, the police chief and Usagi both know that he's not the murderer, but they can't prove it to everyone else. It's cool. I mean, like it's like yeah. they're just these classic tales told from the point of view of anthropomorphic samurais. It's great. What <laughs> more like, do you want? It's like with like just masterful um, artwork. Mm-hmm. Like you know, the, when the when it comes to like the greats, like the the artists that you love just seeing the black and white inks of. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like Stan Sakai, Terry Moore, the yeah. Rodriguez brothers, um, and uh, I don't know David Lapham. Hernandez so, brothers. Hernandez brothers. Sorry, whoops. Rodriguez brothers. Oh boy. Who's that? <laughs> Me being accidentally not good as a person at all. <laughs> um, I, I think I because I, I, I was thinking of uh, Jamie Rodriguez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, another Rodriguez, <laughs> 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 who he's not related to. <laughs> it's a simple mistake. Sorry, Hernandez brothers. Of course, over at Fan, Fan Graphics. Um, uh, there, there's just some some artists that I never want to see colored. Totally. And um, this is a. Although that, um, oh God, what was it that uh, you saw um, Stan Sakai book that was coloured? Yeah, 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 like one issue of one. And, oh, it, it, no, the no, no. Forty-seven Ronin. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Another that's samurai great. book. Yeah, that's great too. But yeah, you know, it's not that I never want to see it. It's just I'm perfectly happy seeing it not. So the last book we're going to talk about today on this episode of Serious mm-hmm. Issues, a great episode, if I might add, it was real, real fun. I agree. Ah, oh, Shadowstar does not agree. He hates hates comic books. Get used to it, kid. I'll leave this in. <laughs> he seems fine. He seems fine. He's fine. No, maybe not. I, I just want to, we just have one comic to talk about. It's called Jasmine. It's European. It's written by French guys and it's set in Barcelona. It's Jasmine part six written by Raleigh with art by Roger. Are they French? Are they French? I don't know. I kind of assumed that they were Spanish because it's set in Barcelona, but I could be totally wrong. Yeah, I guess maybe, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, sorry. You're, you know what? You're right. Sorry. Franco-Belgian. There you go. So what does that mean? They're from Belgium. Right, cool. Um, uh, let, let, let's start with a brilliant little uh, bit of uh, exposition for this book. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a note from the author, Raleigh, at the, uh, or Raleigh mm-hmm. um, at the end of this issue, because this is the, uh, the finale of the first arc, the mm-hmm. first kind of miniseries. Um, and volume two begins in 90 days. Yay. Um, but, uh, I'm Ro- so glad. Raleigh says, a decade ago, Roger Ibanez and I... Oh, so yeah, they have last names too. There you go. Roger Ibanez and I published the first volume of Jazz Maynard in the Franco-Belgian market. Since then, his adventures have been published in French, Spanish, German, Italian, Dutch, and now finally in English. I say finally because you cannot imagine what a dream it was to have our work published in the very market that we owe so much inspiration to in the first place. Um, 
And then he goes on to say that he's like, you know, very influenced by Frank Miller's Daredevil mm-hmm. and various British writers in the Vertigo line. I thought it was a really, really nice little letter to get at the back. Yeah, totally. Um, but the issue itself, um, this has been like this, you know, mm-hmm. epic kind of crime story featuring mm-hmm. so many different moving pieces and characters. Um, it delved, it, it got dangerously close to being hard, hard to follow at some points, but it was always yeah. enjoyable. Um, it's set in Barcelona. Jazz Maynard is a trumpet player. Slash um, thief. Master uh, thief. Who returns from uh, time away back to his uh, his small town um, and uh, finds himself in the middle of a uh, like a big crime caper. Mm-hmm. Um, it was had incredible action scenes um, and uh, like this really, really wild... Um, Absolutely. You know, multi-layered plot featuring... Like, it was almost like... Uh, this is a terrible... Like when you actually think about what these movies were... Like mm. a Guy Ritchie movie, yeah, yeah, like yeah, where you yeah. have so many different Lots of characters threads that fucking come together. up each other's plots, um, you know, like, mm-hmm. like a Snatch or a Lockstock. I'm sure those movies suck now. I enjoyed them a lot when I was in high school. Yeah, I loved them in high school. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, man, this was such a fulfilling So finale. great. Such and a wonderful series. Like I'm so glad we get to see more of these characters um, yeah, and in the next, different adventures. The next arc is set in Iceland. Great. Um, which is going to be a very big change of scenery. Real different vibe. Um, Everyone is so beautiful in this as well. Like even if they while they're getting their head chopped off. Yeah, such a beautiful book. The colors are amazing. There's a brilliant moment where one of the characters jumps into a helicopter blade as well, yeah. and it's not gory. It's just like ooh, like yeah. this, like you, the realization, like, like like when um that Nazi gets uh um, chopped by the plane propeller in the first Indiana Jones movie. Yep, exactly. Yeah, just like suddenly cuts to the blood being sprayed on the window. Yep, classic, perfect. classic bit. Classic. <laughs> uh, this is like. One of my favorite books of the year. Agreed. Lion Forge are just like really making a niche for themselves as like they're, they're publishing stuff that no one else is. And I think it's incredible. Oh, they're, they're publishing stuff that lots of other people have. Oh, yeah. But no one else in English. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we get another issue of, uh, of Ghost Money from Lion Forge next week. Um, and I'm really looking forward to this book called POS. Piece, Piece of, of Shit. Piece of Shit. Nice. By Pierre Paquet and Jesus Alonso. Um it won a. It was a no, no, nominee for an Eisner, so I'm very excited to read this out through Light and Forge very soon. But um, I'm sure this will be collected in, in trade. In fact, yeah. this issue has a, an advertisement for Aberrado, which is mm-hmm. the previous um, Lion Forge book that we loved, written by Terry Labros. Um, the collection is being is coming out in hardcover in November. Great. <coughs> this month. Wow. Good one. Good one to pick up. Yeah. Um, well done to all involved in getting this book to um to our hands. Yeah, Jasmine Art is easily one of my favorite books of the year. Yeah. Awesome. I feel comfortable in saying that. Definitely. Um, well, Siobhan, that brings us till the, to the end of another Yay. fantastic episode of Serious Issues. Um, we have one final thing to do, and that's let you know which comics we're looking forward to picking up this week. I've written out... Oh, it's an enormous an enormous book list. Wait. Oh, no. Um, I'll start with a trade, which is a trade that I cannot wait to finish because I only read the first three or four issues, and that is Four Kids Walk Into a Bank. Cool, great. Oh, I will pick that up. Which was written by Matt Rosenberg um, for Black Mask. Um, it came out very sporadically, um, so I wasn't able to keep up with uh, all the issues. King's got limited amounts of them in each time too, um, but it was like a brilliant, thanks a lot, Jim. Brilliant crime <laughs> caper book um, told from like four four children um, who are the main characters. We kind of shades of storytelling that we were used to David Ayer doing with Hawkeye, I guess. Yeah, really, really fun. Great characters, super funny, mm-hmm. and a great tight plot as well. Great. Um, we get uh, the finale of the Centipede. Speaking of. Uh, comics based on uh, video oh, yeah. games. The Centipede miniseries ends over at... Uh, it was good. I like it. Um, we get an Iron Maiden comic book. What do you like more? Video game comics or comics <laughs> starring real life bands? Good Lord. Is that your no, answer? Neither. <laughs> neither, thank you. Um, we get uh, the new series of Moon Knight, 
Oh yeah, which cool. incidentally is written by the same guy who wrote Centipede. Hmm. Um, what's his name? The guy who was in a band that I've never heard of could like hmm. say anything or something. Cool. Um, we get uh, new issues of a lot of comics that we love a lot. There's a new Top Cow book written by the guy who did that Eclipse book. Okay. Um, but it's called Port of Earth, and hmm. uh, I'm quite excited to give that one a shot because it hmm. seems like a more better realized. Uh, um, kind of sci-fi book with a better art team too. Cool. Um, and uh, we get second issues of uh, Spirits of Vengeance, Wildstorm, Michael Cray, that excellent image book, Slots, um, and uh, Falcon. A few other things too. Dan Dare. We can continue reading Dan Dare. Did we like that enough? I'll give it another issue. Another issue. There you go. Great. Well, if you liked everything that we were talking about or even one thing or nothing that we talked about on the show today, we'd love to hear from you. And you can do so by finding us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Serious Issues Podcast or even better, join our group, which is facebook.com slash groups slash Serious Issues Podcast and talk about comics with us all goddamn day. Yes, please. Um, especially if you are someone who would like to start a thread that isn't about Thor Ragnarok or <laughs> like extremely vague, like what's your favorite this kind of comic threads. <laughs> I get that they get lots of comments, Jordan, but maybe it's time to expand your horizons and do things more specific for the greater good. Absolutely. <laughs> shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> loving, loving shots fired to the backbone. Um, you can find us on Twitter. We are at serious underscore underscore issues and uh, at levdog, L-E-V-D-O-G. Or at Siobhan CBG if you want to find us individually. Serious issues at kingscomics.com is our email address. Yeah, got, send me emails. <coughs> we got sent an amazing... Um, oh, yeah, some amazing fan art of something that I can't remember us referencing, but um, multiple J. Jonah Jamesons in one universe. Classic. Thanks to the guys stuff. from Rocket Comics Official. Yeah, you guys are My great. My favorite teens. We have so many teens. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't possibly list. pick them. <laughs> we, we should create like an Avengers full of different teens that oh my listen God, yeah, to... Yeah, it's the, just Jordan the, and Connor and these two kids. I love it. That's great. Done. Um, and uh, you can also support the show. Um, if you have a little ex- couple of extra bucks each month, uh, we would love for you to support the show so we can make more content for you, especially once someone is done with maternity leave. So soon, guys. Um, Patreon.com slash series is a podcast to find all the bonus material we put up there and uh, support the show yourself. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks, Until guys. next week, stay motherfucking serious. Hey, this is Levins. Thanks so much for listening to Serious Issues. If you're not completely sick of my voice by now, why don't you check out one of my other podcasts? One is called Hey Fam, and it's about comedy and pop culture, so like comic book movies and comic book TV shows, all that kind of thing. The other one is called The Mitchin, and it's all about the uh, food and bar scene in Sydney. You can find both of them on iTunes or download them directly at yolevins.com slash podcasts. Thanks so much for your support, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.